0: You're listening to Of Sights and Men with Benji and Jacob.
1: A Daily Magician Production.
0: And welcome back to Of Slighter Men. We are very excited uh, to be here today. In fact, I say we, uh, that's kind of a habit. It's actually just I, uh, because as you might have heard from the earlier podcast, Benji has actually gone to volunteer for two years in Macedonia, which makes his schedule a little bit hectic. Um, so I'm very excited to be here. It's actually a rainy midday right now uh, in New Jersey. And I'm joined by a very interesting and special guest who goes by the name of Dan Ulin and I actually just realized before all the prep that we did, I didn't even ask him how to pronounce his <laughs> name correctly. But hopefully that I did an okay job of that. We,
1: I, I, I've enjoyed a festival of mispronunciations over the
0: course. Oh man, so it's actually Ulin, but Ulin. You, oh, freaking, you win a pony nonetheless. It is. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, Dan Ulin, right? No, U- Ulin. Ulin. Oh, Ulin. I just said it wrong again. Congratulations. That's all right. That's all right. All right. Um. So anyway, Dan Ulin. No. Daniel, yes. Exactly. Oh, there we go. On it. Um. Has has a very interesting background actually um so one of the things that we'll get into later but i'm interested in so dan has worked as a, a therapist in the, in the past uh where he was able to incorporate magic-based therapy um he also worked as a columnist uh for the genie magazine and correct me if i remember you you helped with the or you wrote the column knights uh, at the magic castle where you're into able to interview some of the the best magicians in the world such as uh, john armstrong steve valentine uh, david regal uh jonathan Pendragon, the list goes on, uh, and also very interestingly, you're able to be. Uh, you actually, I heard that you're, you're a friend of of, of Max Maven's, um, so <laughs> I, I'm interested to get get into that as well. Um, so yeah, welcome to the show. Uh, glad so. to have you here. Ha, ha, how's it? How's it going for you? How are you doing? Thanks so much, Jacob. It's
1: going it's going very well. Thanks, thank you, and, and and thank you, thank you, and thanks to Benji for having me. Pleasure to be here.
0: Yeah, pleasure to have you on. Well, let's get started with. Uh, it's the cliche question, but I do always like to ask it. So obviously it seems like you have had a lot of, a lot of your life has spent. It's, it's its time in the magic community, in the magic world. I'm interested to hear how did that get started? Where did this kind of love of magic come for you? Was it a, a magic set? Was it later in life? I'm I'm interested to hear.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I, um, I, I got started early. I actually just, just turned 60 a couple of months ago, which is, um, I guess it's the new 50 <laughs> <laughs> and I got started with an Adams Magic set when I guess I was four, five years old, back in Newton, mm-hmm. Massachusetts. Newton, Massachusetts, a suburb outside of Boston. Mm, but nice. A great number of magicians come from Newton, Massachusetts. Uh, David regal comes from Newton, Mass. Um, Matt comes from one of the villages of Newton, Boston. A disproportionate number of magicians who come. From Newton. And I <laughs> got the magic, go. the Adams Magic set, which I still think is a great starter starter set. And, and I was hooked. And, and uh, as part of that birthday, my books were kind of like yeah. to a party magician uh to our house in in in, in, in newton center massachusetts and, and i was a, like that was it blown away hmm. and you know i i kind of in the in those days obviously there was no no internet and i tinkered with right. my adam's magic set and i i got my i got my first book which uh god what was it probably should have prepared for. The, oh you know what it was it was spooky magic the, the larry <laughs> kettle Camp book. yeah by scholastic book services i think it was published in it I'm by off of memory here, 1955, 56, and it had hmm. even today, like even today, those those old books, I, I I'm attributing it to Vernon because I think it was Vernon and Howard Hamburg, the great Howard Hamburg is also a dear friend of ours, and I think was my first interview as part of the the Genie video series, which we covered as well, um, was quoting his friend Vernon, who said, if you want to keep something with secret, magic put it in the print, um, and, and no truer example than than the than the spooky magic. Amazing levitation in it. I think it's called the floating body. Uh, I could be wrong. It's been fifty years since I've read the or fifty-five. <laughs> but I remember. But a while. But I think it's two and a half times your lifetime, or more. I'm just doing that in my head. But there's amazing <laughs> levitation,
2: really, in it. And then we did it
1: at a party. And I mean, not only did the, the the kids. I mean, I think my buddy and I were performing it. We were then ten or nine. So the kids. I know it's freaked out. We freaked out. It was our first time performing. We hadn't practiced at all. We were doing it. And, which I think is one of the great things that happens in magic and, and marketing where you're, you're doing something and uh, even in your first time, even when it's not perfect, it's still kind of a miracle. Um, right. so that's how I, that's how I got started. And, and sort of some years later, magic always became a hobby. You know, I, I was nerdy, somewhat shy, shy kid. I think that pretty much describes a lot of, a lot of God's magic anyway. Hmm. um love to write love that love, love to sort of uh, explore the world inside my head and and and, and did some performing uh, you know did some shows i think my first show my first show was 197 going on eight so this was in the fall of 1967 at the michelson's house by the blueberry bushes and um i remember having spooky magic and one of the other books from that series i think it was uh, magic secrets also by And on the front, little sign, books you will enjoy. I was just really hooked on it. And a few years later, I was 12, it was for my 12th birthday. We were taking a cruise in Boston Harbor. And there was a guy who was carrying a card, um, going by the name of Max um His real name was Phil Goldstein, now Max Maven, of course. And other folks asked me, What would you like for your birthday? I said, Lessons with this guy. So for two years, uh, from the it was amazing, right, from the fall of nineteen seventy three to fall somewhere in the autumn of seventy five, um Max Maven, you know, then Phil Goldstein would 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 come to our our home in, in Wesleyan, Massachusetts. We then moved. Um, he you know with great <laughs> with great, great toss. He'd show up in a cab cab and Iberia, <laughs> and and he'd come in and 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 tutor me in, in close up magic, and. You know he became really i guess my first mentor it's um,
0: uh, a pretty good place to start we, not going it's you. a great
1: pl- it's a great place to start <laughs> it's really a great place to start i'd had i'd had a, a woodworking a sort of a, a, an older gentleman in wood a, sort of woodworking and I tried my hand at that he'd sort of, sort of greased the skids when it came to how to be a good mentee because I think there's an art to being a good a mentor of course but I think there's an right. art to being a good mentee and that gets the parallel in, in, in marketing would be what David Oldham said which was there's not to be the client as well as opposed to writing creative mm. but you know I learned a lot from Max I learned about know, learned about um accepting that you're not great at something even if you've practiced it a million times um I remember I remember the Elms account that Max taught me and then when I became friends with Aaron Fisher God, a decade ago um Aaron I had lunch he said show me the first trick that Max showed show, show me your Elms account but so you know lots of fun stories along the way and then max and i lost touch for It was great and I reconnected with Max and he suggested you know you, you should audition for the castle and it hadn't occurred to me I've been living in, in LA for
2: a long time ago,
1: maybe 18 years or something like that <clears throat> and i had been to the castle as a guest in that castle which is very close to where my wife and I who, who was also an audition member um, live. Hmm. and I went and, and I auditioned and um and, and and I got in and I used I, my audition I used three effects that Max had taught me yeah, and then I was in. So Max and I reconnected over the years, become very dear friends. He's, uh, my wife and I, Kelly Maroney, who um, really, had to, had to, really had to bust it from knowing no magic at all to working through her audition um, to becoming a magician member of the castle, which is no mean feat when you're starting from scratch. No. They made it a little more difficult on Kelly as well, because at that point I was writing the Knights of the Magic Castle column for Jeannie. Um, and uh, Kelly Kelly has a big following as an actress. Of, she was in uh, she was in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. She started in that. She started Chopping Mall, Night of the Comet. So she's got a big following in the cult um, and science fiction. Movie. And so they wanted to make it a little extra tough on her and tough on us. And I, I urged her not to give up, and, and she didn't. And she crushed it in her final audition with a uh, with a great trick from Jay Sankey that we uh, we just threw in at the last minute and. And uh, so, I'm, so, I'm so proud of her. I'm so proud of, to be a part of just the magic community in general. There's so many mm. interesting people, so many interesting, fascinating people in
0: that market. I interrupt this podcast to give a brief shout out to our website, thedailymagician.com. If you haven't already signed up for our daily emails, that will give you great content just like this podcast. Please head over there and sign up now. That's thedailymagician.com. We promise that we won't disappoint you. Wow. Well, thank you. That, that is quite the story. I, I don't even know where to start. I feel like there's a lot to pull out there. Um, but I guess I want to start with, oh, I was actually really interested what you said, because I, I would really like to know for myself, this is kind of a selfish question. <laughs> but what would you say, what do you think a, a, it means to be a good mentor? And also, I don't know what fancy word you use, but I think it was a word for being a, a mentor. Someone that is mentored. What, what word? Did a, you a, a mentee, I You know, I don't mentored, really know
1: if yeah. that is actually a word. I know mentos is a candy,
0: but I, <laughs> that's I, the word that comes to my head. Yeah. So I guess there's it, an art yeah. being a
1: good candy that you eat as well. Um, Listen, I just kind of any. I I never developed a good filter, so you'll have to forgive me. Um, but I think mentee, menti suits person who is mentored. So yeah. to speak to that point, I, I guess you know, I guess I've learned a lot, a lot with years about. About perfection, I, I think, and, and I think right. this holds true for a lot of ma- magicians. I think it holds true for a lot of magicians. people in general. Is there's that that curse of perfectionism? It's got to be perfect, and it must be, it must be right, either before I before I trot out my email series or before I trot out my, you know, my twisting the aces or whatever it is that you happen right. to do. And there's no, there there really is there really is no such thing as perfection. Is there? It's you're 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 mastering things along the way. Uh, I remember um, Derek Delgadio. Um, we, we used to hang hang out, hang out. We really don't much anymore, but I, I so admire what he's done with his career and and, um, and the show he's got now on, on Hulu and the live show that he did here at the Gaffin Theatre in L.A. and the show that he did with, with Helder as well. I'm um, a, a young magician had come out of a show that he'd done in one of the sort of private spaces at the, at, at, at the club um, at the Magic Castle and said, so I just killed him in there. And Derek said, don't say that. Like that. You never kill it. You're always, you're always working on your craft. And I think that's really true of any, uh, of any art form. And and I consider marketing an art form as well. Um, you know, I think there are a lot of overlaps, uh, overlaps in that field. And I think, you know, to that point, um, and this isn't an ad for you guys. I, I've been recently, I, think, you know, I discussed before, before we began the podcast. I think that what you guys are doing is really fresh and original and interesting. I and mean, I think it bridges those two worlds, magic and marketing. I think, first of all, a lot of magicians aren't, Particularly um, I, gifted marketers, but I don't mean that as an insult. I think I think that's
2: hmm.
1: they're wonderful performers, but they're they haven't thought about what's the experience like that they want to bring to 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 the audience, you know. And it's the, right. the I think about Jacob, you know. I think about the the, the time honored uh, you know expression. People don't remember the trick that you did or the song that you sang. They remember how you made them feel, you
0: know. Right. Yeah,
1: yeah, and. I, I think that when it comes to magic, that's certainly what it is. I mean, they, what's the feeling that you want them to have? And what's your intention in that? I, I no longer perform really very much. I'll do one-off shows or if, if somebody asks me to do something for group but yeah. I, I, for me, it's really all about leaving the deck in their hands or anything. Everything that happens really should be about them. And the miracle should be about what they created rather than what it mm. did. I think everybody expects the magician to do something fancy with his or her hands. I mean, some incredibly gifted some incredibly gifted magicians i've been fortunate enough over the course of you know my, my magic career and my professional career and, and even when i was you know earning my undergrad at, uh, at panning and uh, struggling through my mba at <laughs> and, and and through my um getting my master's as a, as a in clinical psychology um it was always about like, what's that experience like what's the experience that you want to have, have with somebody you're familiar with the term transference, right? In psychology, which is just, you know, the feeling mm-hmm. that it's in the room, transference is the, the feeling mm-hmm. you have towards, towards the person you that you're speaking with and in the therapeutic context of would be your patient your mm-hmm. client and the counter-transference is what's to you, but there's transference and counter-transference in every interaction, isn't there? You and I are having it now when you go to buy a pack of gum at the store. So I think, you know, it sounds fancy and academic, but when you really just <laughs> stand it on its feet, it's really all about like having some intention and, and not being attached to perfection and just getting out there and having some fun with it, having a sense of humor about it. And to the Will Smith thing that we talked about before, uh, what does he say? I think he says, fail uh, fail often, fail forward. Oh, fail early, fail often, fail forward. I love it. And he talks about that, you know, when you're, when you're in any kind of practice, just don't be afraid to fail. And yeah. I was, fortunate enough here in, in Los Angeles, we have a, a, an improvisational trip called The Groundlings. Um, you, you have, I can't remember this, the, the equivalent you have uh, on the East Coast or in, in, in the UK, but The Groundlings was the feeder, is still the theater for many, if not most of the people on Saturday Night Live. And for 20 some odd years, I used to go every Thursday um, to their all improv, just their all improv two-hour show. And I took a number of classes there, and I certainly don't Consider myself a a, a gifted improviser, but I took away a lot of the lessons that I that I learned over the course of a few years of studying improv, which is that it's not failure; it's a learning experience, right? There, it's there's no such thing as failing. Like you're always learning, and with improv, it's really all about what comes your way. Just whatever you're given, you move forward with it. That yes and, um, and and no denial. So anything that comes your way, because in a show, something's going to go wrong at some point, right? You're going to you're gonna mess up right. the double lift or an audience member is gonna be a jerk and, and and you just you just work with it. It's the it's the trick that can't be explained, you know, really on its feet and in real life. And I think I, I think that holds true in a lot of things that we do in life. I think that holds true in love and in life and in in all the interactions that we have. Um and it, it, it reminded me of an email that you all sent out the other day where you were just talking about a conversation that, that the wonderful Jay Abraham in marketing um, had it. I, I believe and I'm paraphrasing badly perhaps um, Jay was at a bar um, with, you know, in preparation you know, the night before a presentation he was going to give and he he met a gentleman and he just sat and listened to the guy talk and the man left the conversation and said interesting guy you are and just what a fascinating man you are yeah. which is the basic deal Carnegie principle right engage others and and right really exactly. listen I mean, really really listen it's rare in life to be listened I no longer practice as a therapist I I, I migrated into, into coaching um, which is um, we can talk about elite uh, elite student coaching in, in a minute but mm-hmm. it, elite student coach really pulls together all the things I I've, I've, I've loved about doing loved, loved about like, throughout my life uh coaching you know, magic coaching improv um listening writing um when i when i lived in japan for four years after college and the year three after i used to night gig as a, a, a pianist in, in bars um oh, wow. never learned to read music yeah there's another overlap a lot of magicians also uh magicians that are also true. musicians a, yeah. a ton of them I, I mean a ton of them I, I i can venture So why do you have any ideas as to why that, that is?
0: uh i mean it's it's performing one like two yeah. it's like i mean i don't know how to say this in a way that doesn't sound really like innuendory but <laughs> you're good with your hands you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> like picking like I, I think of like john gustafaro like he's an amazing guitar player and it kind of just makes sense you know like if you're good at a pinky count or you're good at you know what whatever slight it might be you, you have control over your hands right and, and it's interesting because i was actually thinking about that the other day sorry i don't want to go from too much time to but i was thinking no I'm, about, I'm trying, this is really interesting um because I, I was like classic palming, right? Or I was—I right. can't, can't remember what I was. Doing. I was classic palming a coin, uh, and I just—I don't know. I was—I was watching Metal One again just to kind of go over some of the basics, and I, I kind of just realized, like, and I, also I, I do dance as well, so oh, I, I was like, I, I just started to realize, like, I was like, you know, sometimes you you you, put, you apply too much pressure, you know, and it's kind of the same with like guitar or playing piano, right? or whatever it might be, right. y- you have to have the right touch. And it's the same with magic. I, I kind of suddenly realized that, like, you don't actually need that much pressure to hold a coin in classic palm. Like, you don't need that much pressure to right. uh, pinky, like, count. And if you... And also, with a- even with a pharaoh shuffle, like, if you pharaoh shuffle and you rough the cards against each other, you will not only damage the cards, but the pharaoh shuffle won't work. So it's kind of that interesting thing that you learn with your, your hands of how to control it and what is enough pressure and what isn't. And then combined with the fact that you love to perform and you want to give something to people. I think maybe that's where you find a bit of that overlap.
1: Yeah. Well, put. And, and John
0: Garcia, what a, what a wonderful guy. He is mm-hmm. fantastic. Yeah, really.
1: yeah. As is you know, I mean, the, the list goes on, uh, Andrew another and other buddies, insanely talented guitarist. As is his wife. Um, David Minkin, who I think he still has a show called magic and wine, um, mm-hmm. uh, where, where it's, it's, it, it's, it's an amazing show. He's really got that niche. He's got that niche down. A talented marketer as well. So I think I think you've really hit on a good point. I hadn't really thought about it that way too. There, there are a lot of those. I think it's also that that skill of being able to like interact interact with the crowd, um, not perfect, improv improv, right. hack your way along. And there are a lot of magicians who are very classically trained uh, right. musicians. And then there, are, I think, a, quite a number like me, who I, can't, I can't read a note. I'm a card carrying member of the musical illiterati. It's you put. Uh, a score in front of me—it's just shapes and squiggles. But I, early on, you know, my grandmother was a, a, a pianist you know, in Boston, mm-hmm. talented concert pianist. I just had to hear something and play it. And its say it's a gift. I don't think it's any more of a gift than being able to cook or being able to, to draw. You don't want to see me draw a nose—it's like a triangle with two little circles at the bottom. A lot of shame around that one. <laughs> um, but it's—but I, I, it's so interesting, and, and and I think in general this points to something I've observed. I, I'm sort of curious to know what you think about. And this holds I've always one of the wonderful things about magic, and I, again, I've been lucky enough to, to live and live and work in a, a number a number of countries around Europe, Japan for years. Mm-hmm. many countries in Europe, when I was in the software business, um, like running sales marketing for, for software startups. But when you meet a magician, like, there's that instant connection. your, your brother, your sister, mm-hmm. your, your, your family. There's that instant connection. And even if you don't speak the language, you speak the language. There is that. There is that performance connection, um and and you're welcome, and you're home in some way. And, um, and I, I maybe it sounds that sounds find your rainbow, and I'm overstating it. I just i really have a feeling about it. It's just a. It's a really. It's really cool, and I can't think of another art form in which you necessarily have that. Um, and maybe that's by dint to the fact that magic is, I guess, probably the world's the oldest, the oldest performing art form, magic and music, so um mm-hmm they have got drawings on the, on, uh, drawings on the, on the uh, inside of the walls of the pyramid, with mm-hmm. what appear to be cups and balls. Um, I don't think they were doing diagonal you know, palm shifts. I don't think that had yet been invented. I could be wrong. I'm going to leave that to you and <laughs> bet you to do But, but I think this, you know, this, is this is why what you, what you all are doing with, with your new venture is so interesting. You really, um, just to arc this back you are you're you're fair shuffling, you're, you're dovetailing these two worlds in a way that's really special and interesting and the way that you you're bringing bringing together so many classic marketers as well as you know marketers have been around for what uh Jay Abraham Ben Settle. Mm-hmm. um I don't think you've yet talked about one current mentor
2: uh, in, in marketing right in the back. But if there's so many really interesting yeah. people
1: in marketing and all these these amazing overlaps and to see two um Younger guys like you just not only be so interested in this, but really attack it, really just like attack and commit to this. It's really exciting for me. I'm, I'm so happy to be a member of this community I just joined up yesterday, although really, really uh, I, mm-hmm. really
0: I briefly time. pause this podcast to give a shout out to the Daily Magician Tapes Collection. This is a growing collection of exclusive audio training and interviews with some of the world's best, including the magician that you're listening to right now. If you'd like to find out more about The Daily Magician Tapes, head over to com slash tapes. That's com slash tapes. We'll see you there. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. I, and, and I think, like, yeah, it, it's, I think what's so fascinating is just looking outside of magic, you find so much more to bring in. Like, and, and it's places like, I was thinking another thing that is probably the links between music, musicians and, and uh, magicians is uh, just practice, right? And like, like what you were saying about mentorship and what it takes to be a good mentee, um, it's being willing to fail, right? And being willing to just like mess up and that that's not easy. That's, that's really quite a hard thing to find in life. At least for, I find that very difficult. It, it's so hard. It's hard to be corrected, right? And I think that's another thing that I'm grateful that I was able to learn in, in learning a second language as well, because that humbles you as well. You just can't, you can't speak. Like you, you just suck. You just suck at speaking the language when you speak, when you start, <laughs> you, you know,
1: <laughs> you have to suck, you have to suck. What is your second language? What's your what's French? Your okay. So French. So for mine, yeah. I, I studied French in, in school and it was, but for mine it was Japanese and I, I moved to Osaka, oh, wow. so Osaka in 1983. I'm glad I moved to Osaka. In I, I, I moved essentially what was on a research fellowship, but um, in Japan it's called but it's known as Panasonic here, and I believe in, in the UK as well. Um, mm-hmm. There's joint venture between Panasonic and the Japanese Ministry of Education. They wanted to put together laser disc-based, which for those of you yeah. know, laser disc, like really large, like over...
0: Eight, the big boys CDs
1: that have eaten CDs. too much. They were really, <laughs> yeah. Um, and there was a laser disc-based system for teaching teaching uh, English looking for to, to um, people to come over and Ivy leaguers, because I guess there's been a lot over there to, you know, mm-hmm. to me. who would had a lot of experience in teaching um, to come over and help them redo their uh, language lab materials. And so it's a research fellowship, and I thought you know, for six months and come back and they, um, take. I've been offered a plum job after college in New York uh, with Helen Norton, a, a public relations agency. And, and I called HUK when, when I'd been offered the job in Japan. And they said, "Go, like, go learn Japanese, come back. That's that's gold." This is the eighties when there weren't a lot of foreigners, corners um yeah but in Japan but particularly in Osaka had I gone to Tokyo I probably would have never learned to read but to, to read read write and speak Japanese but in Osaka in 1983 there were very few non-Japanese faces uh yeah. and and those that were there at the time were doing you know like point at plastic food in the window and you know rub their belly mm. and I yeah, to me that was like I I I couldn't live I'm I i i have lived a lot of low dignity moments in my life, and I'm happy to embrace them. But mine was uh, ha- having some gastrointestinal problems and having to go to a pharmacist um, and you know, draw a toilet. And I'm like, this is it. Like I've hit my proverbial bottom. On that, And so I um, dove into Japanese. And there's no better way to learn it anything than to you know <laughs> burn the boats and and, and attack the shore. Um, and so that's what I did. And, and when you, when you attack something fearlessly and you just embrace making mistakes and you're hundred percent direct about uh, learning language, you gotta suck. Um, I'm not yep. sure you need to put in your 10,000 hours. I, I, Malcolm Gladwell is so right about so many things I and mean, he may be right about this as well, but I think you can fold space when it comes to learning something, you can't, you gotta get the hours in, you gotta get the looks in, you gotta really practice your chops. But I, I think when it comes to the, the mentoring thing, which we've talked about a little bit before, you know in the old days you did have a mentor or you had a teacher in magic uh there were the books and you could learn through the books but there was usually a magic teacher of some sort um in my case I, it was still it was getting pretty big in name there even in those days but if you learned, it was a it was a craft that was passed down it, 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 you know you were in some sense you know a and you were mentored, and you were taught um and there was a hierarchy to it you know um in some in some cases you didn't question your mentor but it, it, there's got to be a feedback loop to it as well, Jacob, right? You've got to be able to say, well, this isn't working for me. Is there another way that I can try it? Okay, your hands are a different size, or maybe there's a different way to do it. You talked about it with your, with your, uh, with your classic club, right? That that wasn't working for you. Perhaps it was based on the size of your hands or the coin that you were holding. So you find another workaround. And, and mm-hmm. again, to me, like one of the great things about mentoring, which is what I'm doing in my current business, but I've done it in other contexts as well, is that you get that feedback loop. You're like, okay, so, you're learning along the way as well. It makes you become a better mentor. So that's level one. And the other sort of meta level for me is that I always encourage the, the young people I work with, in the case of a lead student coach, it started out with high school kids only going to college, and now it's high school kids going to college, college kids going to grad school, and then um, younger, you know, uh, late teens uh, in college, and then 20s or 20 somethings or the 20 somethings in grad school who are deluged with the work that they get and need more work on the communication. So within that space, just to kind of sum up what I'm doing, whether the college coach, um, it, it, I'm with within that, get into one of the top schools, like school here, schools in, in, in England or in Japan, um, is be intentional, be intentional. What's your story? What's your narrative? Um, and, and, and for me, the one and done help, help. Your your child write a good application, a winning application. Because mm-hmm. all things being equal, the, the people applying to these schools have great grades, they've got great scores, they've got great, great and cringe at the word extracurriculars, but for lack of a better word, that's a that's one of the things mm-hmm. that they've done. But what's the story? Like what what is it that excites them in life, and what's what's genuine? And um, all those things being equal, when you remove those components from the equation, it really comes down to the application. Uh, and and and. and you know what, what grabs what grabs the reader and what's different about this? Because I think if I had to boil down, I'm really done <laughs> Magic, uh, I'm sorry, marketing. It's being first, better, or different. And mm-hmm. you know, very very rarely are you first. Uh, better is a question of better is a question of uh, eye of the beholder. I guess it's. it's right. You can always be different. You can always be different. And so when I'm mentoring, when I'm working with younger people, uh, in a mentor capacity, I, I, I'm very, I'm very mad. I'm like, look, look at, do you see how we're working together? If this works for you, I'm hoping that you'll pass this along to somebody you work with in life, whether it's in the capacity of a mentor or whether it, whether it's in your career or whether it's in group work that you do at school. And so this is very much a legacy project for me. As I said, it pulls together everything I've done through the course of my life. i right? God, God willing, I've got a couple years left before I keel over. And then climb out of the grave and keep on doing what <laughs> I'm doing, which I know sounds super creepy, but <laughs> that's my intention. Um, please don't edit that out. I know it's going to be super creepy, but why not? No, um, it's not creepy. And, um. and um, uh, we'll get there. We'll get there, sir. We will. Um, and the other thing, too, is that, and this was a lesson that was harder. And then coming back to the Jay Abraham um, the email that, that you and Benji sent out a couple of days ago, yesterday or the day before, which is really about the listen thing. And it's easy to say, listen, it's a hard thing to do. And it, it's really rare in life, I guess. And this is my, my own opinion. If you be curious to hear what, it, what yours is. Um, it's really rare in life to be heard. You know, it's really rare in life that somebody's listening to you without the yet, really like, focusing on the moment on what it is that you're saying and maybe reflecting back on what it is that they hear. And that is like, that's a real gift that you can give to somebody. And it's especially rare with younger people right now. It's, it, it's, it's a much tougher world. It's a much more competitive world for kids right now. Um, there's, there, there's the bullying and the cyber bullying, there's all that stuff, but the world comes much faster to kids right now and a much mm-hmm. higher, faster and intense rate. And there's the competition and what do what I need to be and all that to and, and there's a good side to that because it, 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 gives, it gives many young people the opportunity to go, well, maybe I could do this, maybe I could do that, but it also creates a crushing amount of pressure and so part of the work that I do is like, let's try this try this and if it doesn't work. So you know, micro commitments and micro you know micro home runs. And I always try I always try when when I was tutoring magic I, I uh, <laughs> my first experience actually mentoring and working and teaching was gosh, I was 10 years old or 11 years old. So this is just before I started working with Max. and then Newton, Massachusetts again, my hometown creative arts program came to me and they found me and they said we would like somebody to teach magic. And I said that oh, that's cool i would love that opportunity and i was scared of shitless. i had no idea what i was going to do but i remember arriving at my at the school that night and an adult came up to me and said what class are you at sunny and i said you know i'm actually teaching a class and um you know i mean marching into fear just committing to fear <laughs> and going wholeheartedly into it and you've seen this with learning french and no doubt and other things that you've done as well um you just got to punch through that fear and and, and put it on a feet and there's no better way of 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 learning something i think than doing it and being on on stage i was reading an article with uh with El, uh, elton John. He's an interesting man in so many ways i grew up playing his music he's a, hmm. just such an interesting guy and so many things that he does and he talked about the fact. the that he just he gets up there and he's scared he was he, he started this solo solo piano tour he's got a he performs with a band and he did the village altar and he started a, a solo tour in the 90s he did some stuff in the 70s and he came out the first night in grown virginia and he said i don't want to tell you i was scared and you know it was such a it was such an awesome moment for me because I've done a lot of public speaking and all of that I mean, in the 80s and 90s it was to get out there and just like you know what? that doesn't work it doesn't work for me anyway what works and i'm here again i'd love to hear it it's just getting there i being real when you screw up or when you say something that's just not in the script it just not you own on it and i think that it, you get yeah, your audience right with that because it's real does that resonate with you at all or like, yeah. And
0: yeah, I, I think as so. I often do, just talking, about my ass No, no, no. I, I, I like what you're saying. There. I, I think it's like, I, I also like what you said about like Elton John, like being scared. Cause I, I think this is something that like a lot of people will look at, I don't know though. I remember cause I used to do a lot of public speaking in, in France cause we were volunteering and right. I'd run like, you know, big groups of like 200 people or just talking to people on the street, just random strangers, whatever it might be. Um, and people would always be like, oh, it just comes so naturally to you. It's like, it just seems like it's so easy for you. And I'm like, you know, like I kind of said it simply, like I'm scared every time I talk to someone on the street randomly, or like I'm scared before I give a presentation to 200 people, you know, but right. you just do it enough times that you get over it, you know, and, and it becomes natural. And every time you're scared, every time you're nervous, but you just get good at dealing with that. Um, and, and I think that's a really good point. I like what you're saying there. And also in audiences in enjoy that and also makes your magic better like for instance i think um darren brown when he starts his and he's very particular about people talking about his things but i I don't think he'd mind i I won't get into specifics of the actual show um but um he starts by basically messing up a trick on stage right uh and he loses like a a bet for like a hundred dollars or 100 quid and he gives that to the audience member and they go and sit down and that's the first trick you see in the entire performance okay And so from that point forward, it is intentional. I mean, he's not but from that point forward, you feel nervous every time he does a trick and you feel like it's more real. Um, And I think it's interesting, obviously, you know, we're not always nervous because we're using it as a technique, Um, but it's not bad to be authentic and it's not bad also to mess up. Um, I think a good example of that as well as Chan Canister, uh, the the Polish magician who who would mess up all the time. Absolutely. (laughs) live. Absolutely. Uh, and, Absolutely. and he owned it. And, and I, I think that's a, it's a good point. And actually, you reminded me while, while you were speaking, um, I, I've recently, I just finished the book, start something that matters by uh, Blake, uh, Mikowski, and, and he actually has a quote in there by from Winston Churchill that I, I love. Uh, and it says success is the ability to go from one failure to another with no loss of enthusiasm.
1: Isn't that, isn't that yeah.
0: Isn't that right. Yeah, so good. Yeah, it's so good, and I and I think it kind of it's everything that you're saying, right? It's like, um, if you start getting awkward on stage and you start, that's when people will feel bad, you know. If you start like stumbling and like you're embarrassed, and you know, it, that's sure. when people will be like, you know, people will be, oh no, like what's going on for him. But if you can, it, I think there's something to be said for just owning a situation. Um, I, I don't want to ramble too long here, but it's kind of interesting. <laughs> I'm rewatching Friends with, um. My wife and my sisters, and it's funny because there's a character Ross in Friends, who is the epitome of not owning any situation. He's absolutely. always awkward. That's his <laughs> super. Forward. That's his
1: superpower, isn't it? Not right. A, right? Yeah, exactly.
0: Uh,
1: yeah. Ab- absolutely. No, I mean, I and you weren't rambling at all. I think I think you what you said was really resonating, and I, I hadn't thought about it until now about Darren's show. But um, mm-hmm. you know, by messing up, he's also whether by intention or design. I suspect by intention. Um, right. and, and not knowing Darren personally but knowing, uh, knowing what he does having talked with Andy uh, mm-hmm. the, uh, uh, on it a lot um, uh, you yeah, know he's also opening that story loop that proverbial story loop right so there's the message right. the like where is that going to come there, there's, there's billions of that because yes we are wired for stories there's an awful lot of stuff coming out now. yes we're wired for stories in the marketing space I mean I think Donald Miller ability a story brand is doing Exceptional work in that. In a lot of, in a lot of ways. There are people who've done great stuff along the way. I still think people need to go back and, and just read a lot. I'm, I'm a voracious reader, as I suspect you are. And, um, and I think anything that you do, anything that you do, can inform your your work as a magician and whatever else that, that you do. And if if, if all you do it is magic, I, I mean, belittle that. All you do, with magic is a huge, huge thing. But many magicians I know are <coughs> magicians and magicians and musicians and teachers, right. but if you're a magician, you are also, you're also an artist and you are also a performer. You're also a business person. Yeah, you're also a businessman, a business model. Um, and, and, and and it's furthering your career by acquiring more clients or, or becoming a better year of craft, it's, uh, and a little education goes a long way, right? I think you're learning, I, I'm seeing that already in the in the work that you've been setting up He's like these, planting those those seeds from micro home runs right away. I mean, you come away mm-hmm. smarter, you come away smarter. And that's really a gift that you can give that the, that you can that you can impart. And when you do that, you cement in, I mean you cement in that loyalty that you, you build that trust and it all comes back again to being that good listener. Like this is a person I feel comfortable. With. This is mm-hmm. a person um, this is a person who um, who makes me feel again with, come back to they they remember how you made them feel. Uh, they're remembering how you made them feel and that's really a gift that you can give somebody. And again, for me anyway. It's been interesting over the course of the career, I I never thought that I would go back to business school. I was a writing, the fact that I was lucky enough to get into the University of Pennsylvania, uh, but I I was, I never thought I'd go to a huge school. I came out of a very small school in in, uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts. Um, But Penn then had one of the two best fiction writing programs. And I missed Philip Roth by a semester. He was supposed to be there, I got into the program. Philip decided to go to Princeton bastard. But instead I got um I missed Philip Roth, but instead I got for the first two years year and a half, John Leonard, like John Leonard, who was <coughs> then the head book writer, book reviewer for the New York Times.
2: Mm.
1: He's an amazing guy. An amazing guy. And we were knocking out fiction. It was very uncomfortable. It was just you know, never knew what the assignment was going to be and very often it wasn't specific. It was just go write something and it would come back. But this is cool. I about like, halfway through the year I got back a, a graded paper from him. A graded a graded story. Um I a got story and it wasn't his writing on it. And it had K. It was signed K. And I, I said, John, like, who's, who's who's K? And he goes, It's Kurt. It's Kurt. Go away. I said well, who's Kurt? He goes, It's Vonnegut We're sitting getting drunk reading reading papers and you read your paper. And there's a circle, it's really a really circle where I like the whiskey glass went down. And I'm thinking, This is really I'm sorry, this is this is cool, I still have the paper. I still have the paper in my folks' house in Boston. But you have these experiences, and then for the last couple of years, it was the great uh, Latin American novelist, Carlos Fuentes and former uh, former diplomat, um, and we were knocking out uh, 50 pages of fiction a week, and the great books. But again, again, you know, again, when it comes to writing, um, when it comes to writing, it, you gotta fail. You gotta fail a lot in finding what your own voice is, or series of voices is, as a communicator. Um, and again, what, I, what I'm doing, what I'm doing as a mentor within the, the context of a read coach is helping helping kids find what their voices what their voices are. Because very often they're there a lot of people are terrified of writing. Writing was something that came recently. Math did not. I was terrified of math yeah, um, and, until I was literally I, I flunked two courses at work and I had to get past them. And uh, Vice Dean Dave Reepstein is still there. Like, amazing, amazing guy. I'm still a friend. Said that if, if you 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 know, Lucky like enough to get the lead and the were always the play and you you help put together the two or two tours to Japan to help
2: you know,
1: know it all nights uh, learn something about the country that you love so much. But really, like what was your score on the, the midterm? I said like, eight. He goes, that's not good out of a hundred. No, it's not. Um, but I was hacking around on a piano one night and my finance professor was yeah, in his class, walked through it, he said, "What well, you? You're in my class, aren't you? You're not doing." That. He he was a Brit, and he said, "What are you playing?" I said, "I'm just moving you know, around." He said, "You're playing in what key?" I said, "D." He said, "Move it to G sharp, and it did." He goes, "You you can't read piano." I don't know. <laughs> and Franklin, I remember his name, Franklin Allen. He said, "Do you know that what you're doing in your head is extremely complex math?" I said, because music is essentially math that we hear." And he wanted to elaborate, but you know what it was? It was that that instant frame he folded that space. We talked about that before, right? You got to put in your 10,000 You still have to put in your hours, but in folding that space and like vaporizing that fear, like it turned out that I was very good at. It. And I think I think those are the kinds of lessons that come along in magic and in life as well. You know, so somebody's really struggling with the, whatever it is, their time shift or their past. either keep on working on it or don't do it. Find another substitute for it. You know, you've got this any card at any number, amazing series of any card in any number, which I've always thought is just one of those insanely interesting plots the question is always making it relevant as in anything to the audience but i think any card specifically and i'm curious to know your hit on this has to really be made relevant Mm -hmm. because while it's fascinating to magicians it isn't always as fascinating as we think to lay audiences what are your thoughts on that yeah
0: i I agree Uh, i i think it's the thing i talk about with danny goldsmith a lot is just kind of um yeah you gotta get a little bit out of this headspace of uh we can get so wrapped up in the magician's world you know where we actually think that people find a pharaoh shuffle interesting which they don't most people don't you know <laughs> or they find like you know a diagonal palm shift interesting or whatever you know to the point where what, what i mean by that is like it's it's kind of what diverne and right have like effect over over a method um as far as um how to make that interesting for people um I don't know, we've said it a lot. It's kind of the same with marketing. I I don't know, I would kind of refer to like the ADA principle of like uh, attention, interest, desire, action. There needs to be attention, right? You need to bring their attention to something (laughs) as far as like, I'm going to do this or like you're going to see this. Uh, Then that interest, maybe that's in the form of a story. So if we're talking about uh, any card at any number or if we're talking about an ambitious card routine, whatever it might be, there needs to be something there. You know, it has to at least... You, there has to be some sort of expectation or there has to be some sort of, again, or, or, or like we you said before, it's kind of cliche, but yeah, of course, like stories, humans identify with stories. So there needs to be a story. And then desire, they need to have some, need to want that thing to happen. You know, there has to be that moment where they're like, is it going to happen? And then the action is, of course, um, either, you know, it happens or they take the card or um, you ask them to applause because they you, you've done whatever it might be. And so, yeah, I, I think that is, it is really crucial I, I, and i think the ada kind of uh copywriting, um principle really applies quite well there and, and and like you like you say it's it's important that people and i, I hope i i hope i'm answering your question correctly i i think i uh, understood yeah, what you I'm,
1: I'm you you have my full attention <laughs> you have my full attention
0: yeah. uh so yeah I, I mean for me that, that that's how I, I i like to structure things and you can definitely tell when things don't land like for instance the other day i did a pneumonocosis on uh oh, cool. just like a, a friend that i had random right. and it was just like it didn't land you know like i mean they literally took a pack of cards it was shuffled they cut they named a card cut the deck and they cut to their card and it didn't land very well you know and so <laughs> it, it's kind of interesting because um in thinking about that that's why i actually st- i started to ask the in circle, like how how can i have a better new monocosis like what should my story be and and like i started to look back over that and, and how you present it and, and and it kind of comes down to that what we were talking about a bit before where you need to own the situation and there has to really be a story and even if it's a friend or whatever it is the trick just won't land as well <laughs> if you don't give it the full story and, and the, the full kind of ada principle that, that at least i like to apply to magic so yeah hopefully well put, it's no no well
1: sense. well put and you know and it's again and sometimes it's just not going to land you know, it's yeah, just sometimes everything's true. going to go well, on that on it, they're just not going to respond to it. It's just not. It doesn't resonate for them. It. It's not. It, it's not cool. I've seen that happen with any car. and you know, there's so many methods for any card too. And I think we're, we get fascinated with the method rather than the like, what's the, where's it going to land? Doing stuff for ourselves can be cool too. I mean, i that any any cards done. Alan New became a friend when I was uh, on a, a marketing workshop on a cruise, on a cruise ship outside of Miami, uh, and I met Alan New, who I for a long time. You know, his any card is the fantastic manuscript you can get not friend, And we talked about that. We talked about life and teaching and we connected, you connected me with somebody i wanted to meet for a long time, Gerald Finley, has become a real interesting, interesting great friend and really interesting guy. But you know, I've also seen any cards done where it's just a stack and the guy's doing a fantastic second deal and that's it. You know, it's just whatever work you know whatever works for you, whatever gets you there and makes it relevant relevant for the honest. It also there's a cultural aspect. Now you you've obviously spent time learning that language and and uh, presumably traveling a lot culture so there's cultural mm-hmm. aspect to it as well um the you other know, there are the long plots when i first got introduced to a number of the latin american which is trick with card magicians the plots are very long you know i, I mean yeah, i can't get enough of watching my buddy uh, rafael benatar and um he's really more an acquaintance but you know woody aragon who just anything that he does even just woody talking greeting my wife it's magical uh but you know, the plots are longer, the plots are longer, and there are are longer arcs, and you you need to pay closer attention, and and so it's different, you know. I you need to I guess what I'm saying is you really need to contextualize it for your audience, and and again there's that lifelong learning aspect to it. So like is it more interesting mm-hmm. to you than it is to your audience? And are you sequencing stuff? And are you making it relevant? And you don't just have to stuff it in. You know I went through that phase that, that I, I think most magicians go through, which is I need to. I had a gigantic magic collection and max said it I'm going to paraphrase it really badly is it, it's wonderful to acquire a, a, a great deal of magic which you'd never able to acquire is the time to learn that magic so a wall a wall of DVDs and a wall of books you know that I maybe read one percent of uh, reminded me of a, of a movie called the Big Picture with Kevin bacon and you <laughs> see he's sitting with yeah, it's in the early 90s and he's sitting with Martin uh, Martin short who's a kind of a, a a, a all over the place producer in Hollywood, and, and he's got a stack of, uh, of kind of big scripts in front of him. He said, "I've read all, uh, almost all of some of these scripts, and I think you're a genius." And I'm like, well, <laughs> that kind of summed it up. That kind of summed it up. I actually, I actually came out to. I, I moved here to Los Angeles after I came back from Europe and, and did a year in in, uh, in Annapolis, Maryland, for the software company that I I uh, built a business for in, in Europe. And it came out because I thought I. I've seen every movie under the sun, I love writing. Um, I'm gonna go out there, what what better place to go uh, in the early 90s, this was 92 that I came out here, and, and write some scripts. Mm-hmm. And I wrote three of just the, the worst scripts you could imagine. I could teach a master class on how to write just a shit script. <laughs> um, but I, I took the, the, the Robert McKee story structure in class, which I think he offers it over there too. And it was, it was really creepy because in the movie adaptation with Nick Cage, there's a scene in which um, Robert McKee, played by Brian Fox, who could do no wrong as an actor, in my opinion, plays Robert McKee, who's just a very, very gruff, tough teacher. And he yells at people and, and everything. And on the second day of lunch, I, him, I screwed up my courage and I went up to McKee and I said, You know, let me take you to lunch. And he said, what? Why would I go to lunch with you? I said, You've alienated everybody. Bit of a dick, he goes, That's a great pitch. He said, Uh, great, I'll go to lunch. And uh, I said, The only thing I ask is you give me a few minutes to, to give me your thoughts on, on how I can kind of break in here. So at the end of lunch, he said, What are your two favorite movies? And he said, Believe in Running an Alien. And he goes, All right, what's the comment thread? Great movies. He goes, You Ridley Scott. He said, Well, you got to me, find a way to get to Ridley, you can do it. So I did, I played Six Degrees of Separation, and I talked my way into a meeting with, I with Ridley Scott. And I'm film school that are working for you and I'd love to do something here on an intern basis Um, and and why why don't you hire why don't you hire me for nothing and if after six months you you like what I've done you back pay me uh, minimum wage whatever you choose. And if not you'll have the satisfaction of of, of kicking me out um, knowing that you made an awful awful hire and and
2: really (laughs) late brother Tony said that's the
1: stupidest pitch that we've ever heard but you had such balls coming in here and he handed me staff of scripts and said so, like, why don't you take these home and, and do coverage on, on them and i said that's fantastic thank you so much but just one no question what is coverage which of course is reading a script and you know saying mm-hmm. this is this would be a good because the scripts are ultimately investment projects aren't they so um right. and, and after yeah, a couple of years i had a wonderful time looking for and, and, and Tony and then. but i i it sucked the joy out of watching movies i couldn't watch a movie without it. so yeah, i'm really glad kind of
0: I have that curse too because my my dad is that, was actually made independent movies when I was younger, and so then obviously it got me into reading like the hero's journey and like like you say I, I, I'm great, identifying great start, a lot right? of what you said because it's it's cool because I I wrote I I still write actually I I love writing and I love reading and it's awesome. It, it's, it's awesome. awesome what you're saying it's. I'm I'm just like you're just like skimming over a meeting with Ridley Scott and I'm like what? <laughs> That's pretty well. I mean again, it's like cool. and, and I hope I'm hoping I'm not coming across as name dropping
1: because it's certainly not my intention. No, I think, no, no, no. Here's, it's here's just, my intention it's just in cool. talking about this. First of all, you know what? The, 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 when it comes to magicians, when it comes to magicians, I, just by dint of the fact that um, Neil Patrick Harris was still the president of the castle, and they, the I was tapped. Erica Larson was then on the board as well. Uh, um, so Neil was the, Neil was the president of the. Uh, was, uh, I don't know, Neil Well, wonderful guy. Um, And they were going to reactivate the Knights of the Magic Castle column in Genie, um, which is, you know, Mm. then helmed by Richard Coffin still is, on the editorial side. And Erica called me one night and she said, you know, we've been thinking about it, talking about it as the board, and we'd like for you to take over the Knights of the Magic Castle column. And it it, it was like a brick in the face uh, because who, who had written this column before me? It started with Bill Larson. And then it had it had been uh, Jules and then it had been Peter Pitt. I mean, the greats of magic. It would be as though, you know, um, you were asked to write for, say, Billboard magazine or whatever the equivalent would be in, in, uh, in, in, in Tokyo or London. And the previous writers had been Paul McCartney, Elton John, Mick Jagger, and then Danny Eulip Master of Illusion. And I'm like,
2: oh, <laughs> shit, that's
1: frightening. But again, like, what a great opportunity. So I just launched into it and did, with no guidelines as to how to do it, decided that the way to do the column was to interview everybody backstage and, and and talk about what made them ticket they're all on my phone now the interviews are still on my phone uh, my seven Samsung galaxy it's hogging up space but i was listening to them the other day as i as i moved them onto a chip and then hot and it's gold and they're just gold and being able to talk with Hunsworth you know Hansworth and hen and, and max and valentine and, 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 and topstone as they come through but that's just what is it you're performing what was how did you sequence the act? What's your audience management organic, organic conversations, much like we're having here. And I was able to extract those and pack those into you know, like two pages and it gave me such joy. And then we had two really, really talented house photographers on there. And it was just a branded exercise in launch. And we took an awful lot of time and I, I loved it. And before too long, it was four and a half years. And uh, the general manager of the castle at the time me goes, look, it's enough. It's you like, we've done so much. It's time to on a another writer. It was tough. It was tough to kind of give up. not my baby, but it wasn't my baby. It was Magic's baby. And along the way, Richard came, and we talked about the video thing before. I do want to bring that in. Richard said, "You know, we'd like to add a video component to this thing. Have you ever directed a produced before I said, "No." He said, "Would you do it?" I said, "Absolutely, absolutely." And we didn't know what that look was going to look like, so we called it. What do we call it? Live from the Academy of Magical Arts, which is for those who don't know it, the Magic Castle is the clubhouse for the Academy of Magical Arts. That is the overall. Organization, and then the Magic Council is its clubhouse. So we called it Live from the Academy of Magical Arts, and it—we it, decided it was going to be on the fly. Was interviews with the greats of magic, and it was largely LA-based. It was always, you know, it was—it was Magic. It was, Steve Jobs, it was just an amazing guy, a great, a great, great friend. It was Dana Daniels, and it was Tino Leonard, and it was, Leonard, uh, and, uh, it was Lindsay, Lindsay Banner. Just it was. Just I think there were twenty five or twenty six in total. It was there Hughes, it was Simon Cornell. Um and talking not only just, you know, it was the how did you get your start in magic, but it was just everything. And it was a lot of left turns and a lot of, you know, what do on and whether it's it, anything. It was just it was an hour of just sheer fun and a lot of oh my gods, why did we go there? And a lot of laughter. We didn't really edit anything, it just went out raw. Yeah, and, and I'm so proud I'm so proud of, of the work that and we did it, you know, just on on SPIT and lock and nickels and what we had available in the car. And again, it was like the 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 perfectionist degree, that leg lifting alpha male, it's gotta be perfect because that dies hard. It it dies hard. I fight it every day. Um was it it's gotta be perfect. And it, it was a really nice product. it's still live and well. I think they may be floating on the internet, but certainly alive and well on the AMA site. Um, these are snapshots in time, and you know, the reason I'm bringing this up is that um I was fortunate enough to get Howard Hamburg. I don't know if you're familiar with who he is. Underground, is, no, I'm not.
2: Probably,
1: I would say probably one of the greatest card guys on the planet. That company does a lot of territory. I don't know if it's like the top twenty guys, whatever that number is. Mm. But Howard's been, you know, Howard was Vernon's disciple, so uh, and he's just everybody in the world. And um, he, you know, tutored Kelly. He tutored my wife when she was getting ready to go. And he, you know, he talked a lot about Vernon and a lot about. Who just sidebar I'd met max had told me, go go to your magic, go to your first magic convention, which is the nineteen seventy four s a m convention in boston mass so uh, this was midway through my my, my, my tutored mentored by max and i went I, I collected my 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 magic show dollar. I was charging five bucks at that show in those days, which was low than but you know in today's dollars i'm mean, right. um and i I screwed up my courage i saw uh Irene Larson and I saw Bill Larson um and, and Irene when she passed a number of years ago was, was a was a beautiful woman but in those days it was, it was just it was like looking at the sun it was so stunning Bill just had that mm-hmm. he just had that that that, inequality, that inequality. and there's Vernon I screwed up my courage and walked up and said yeah my name's Daniel and I'm a huge fan and Vernon looks at me as though you look at something that's on the bottom of your shoe and said who the f are you and he just gave that, you know, smoke billow from his mouth as he, you know, was smoking a cigarette and he just let out that cackle. And Irene patted me on the head, which I reminded her of years later. I said, it was so humiliating. And she goes, oh, good. <laughs> um, and I slunk to the front of the room and took my seat and Tony Slidini plucked me out from the front seat and did the paper balls over the head. So it was just like one of those, oh my God, you know, I look back on that. And I'm <laughs> meeting a, a young Dario Martinez, <coughs> Daryl winging cards into the air, 30 feet in the air, and a young guy named David Roth, you like, minute, I was like David? No, we've never heard of it before. he was doing the whole, and doing stuff, people had never seen it before. It was Johnny Thompson's debut, Norman Nielsen's debut. Um, but I bring this up because, as the sidebar, because for the series, the video series that we did, you know, Johnny, Johnny's what him, lived quite a bit. Johnny was also a musician, a, a very accomplished musician, had a harmonic, I'm gonna say it was called the Harmonic Cats, but I could be wrong, it was a harmonica group. And Johnny's just like, Interesting interesting guy so many levels and, and, and I got an intro to him through my, my our our friend Paul Vihal, mentalist and just extraordinary in so many ways another Renaissance men. I've got a lot of Renaissance men and women um and mensches and I don't know why the woman the, the term women doesn't doesn't exist, but it should in magic and, and mentor and women or should also exist. But um so I met Johnny and, and we agreed finally, Johnny's like you know, a little little tired. Could you come out to Vegas and, and absolutely and he passed before we were able to make that happen and irene passed just before we were able to do the interview with her and eugene i've been begging eugene Berger to do it for a long time it was no no you know with the i don't know whether it's again by intention or design that magic rejection <coughs> as is in marketing is often a powerful aphrodisiac <laughs> <laughs> but eugene finally uh after shedding a lot of weight and, and kind of you know just becoming healthy physically healthy again came up to kelly and and, kelly and me at the at the at the bar at the castle we were having about to eat and he said you know daniel and Dan, 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 i'm finally ready i'm finally ready for my <laughs> said, from such a boulevard i'm ready for my close-up i said fantastic and then he passed you know and and again it's like seize those opportunities you know seize those opportunities um go for it just go for it grab grab and go into your go into your... it reminds me when i when i started karate in japan you know, I. I did a roundhouse and, and shattered all my toes. And then the next night, <laughs> they, were just, they were just jelly. You can't fix toes. You just have to wrap them. And my sensei, I was the only, I think, Japanese speaking American. I could, again, at that point, I'd lived in a soccer facility. I moved to Tokyo, so my Japanese was pretty good. Um, he took me aside and he's like, you don't, you don't make a sign. You just go into the fear. You go into the pain. It was a great lesson, right? You take that contrary action, let like go into it. And even now, like it's a lesson that I that I that I take with me. It's it it's hard in practice. It's great theory, it's hard in practice. But um but 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 I do that. And I, I, I'm kind of dancing around a certain area of things, but Howard Hamburg, coming back to Howard, he he said something about Vernon that reminded me a lot about a Bruce Lee quote, which is that you know, Vernon just talk about like a lot of magicians do killing this race. I'm doing it completely, I'm saying not Vernon would kill me if he Again, to be to say this. But it's you know a lot of magicians do ten thousand checks badly. Uh very few do ten well. It's that old, you know, don't take ten you know, ten steps in one direction. Right. Take 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 you know, uh take take one step in ten, you know, no, take one step in ten directions. Take take ten steps in one direction. And it came to that came that Bruce Lee, big fan of Bruce Lee, for just a lot of reasons. He's an interesting guy. He would have made such an amazing magician. in in his own art form, he was. And he said, um, "I fear not the man who's practiced ten thousand kicks once, but I fear the man who's practiced one kick ten thousand times." Um, and, and and again, that goes to the it, that goes to it goes to marketing as well. It's right. You, you've got to make you've got to make those mistakes, but you've got to really be intentional with, with, with things. And I think the people that I see who are not only successful financially um, and and because for me, you know, money always swum in the wake of doing something that's absolutely bananas. Whether it's the magic or, or, or going into something that's completely different from what everybody else coming out of business school is doing uh or or, or even this new venture I'm, I'm so blessed to be able to help help kids you know my, my late mm-hmm. father when he throughout when he retired uh taught kids tutored elementary school kids in the local at a local elementary school and my grandfather who passed his father who passed 97 spent the last part of his life helping uh, helping immigrants it started with Jewish immigrants but it ended up when he passed through obituaries in every language Chinese and Chinese and Farsi and, and uh, the Surreal government, and Russian, all over. And I think being of service, I think being of service, is a really important thing in empathy. Do, and again, this comes back to what we talked about, and you talked about Jacob, which is it, when you're in the service, when you're in the service of your clients, or you're in the service of your audience, like hmm. you're in that flow state. But you can't help but be in that flow state. You talked about being nervous before. It's, and you know about cognitive behavioral therapy, right? And that whole thing. It, getting nervous. There's, you ever strike that Superman pose, you stand up and put your chin up, right. your chest yeah, yeah. you hold that pose, or you do the Da Vinci pose, right? arms out, arms out, legs like spread wide, just make as big a big a, just make your body as big as possible. And you look chemically what goes on in your brain is you, you, you wire yourself to feel better. You can't not feel better. In those. And, and, and those are just like quick ways to, to get mm-hmm. into And then of course, if you are a nervous in the state saying, I'm a little bit nervous. It just pulls that tension out of the air it just pulls that tension out of the air. And, um, so I hope some of this is helpful. I feel like it's a, a oh, festival yeah. of st- stuff pouring out, but, um, I hope I'm hitting on some of
2: the things that are are, are meaningful. To
0: yeah. Me. Yeah. You do. You definitely are. It actually reminds me of, um, what you were just saying That is like Dale Carnegie's obviously like really famous book of, you know, how to win friends and influence people. Right. Um, and there's a magician in there, and I feel bad because I can't remember his name, but he was a really famous classic magician, I think back in the 1800s or maybe the early 1900s. Uh, and one thing that he would, and we actually recently recorded something, talking about this with Danny Goldsmith, but um, he would say, he would look out and he would say like, like I love my audience, I love my audience, I love my audience, I love my audience. right? And then he would go out and perform and he was so successful for his time i mean world tour you know like people just loved him and you know when it came to ask you once i come up, ask him like why like why do your audience love you and he's like well that's why like i love them you know i go out there and i get myself in that mindset uh and yeah. i perform and i, I think that's yeah so it's a really good thing to, like you say and again it kind of links back to what we're saying about jay abraham he says a similar thing where it's fall in love with your customers you know fall in love with the people that you're working for uh and and it's kind of interesting because it's, it's kind of one of those things where you know that's kind of what happened right i mean as far as like we're actually friends now you know you are someone that came into our email list <laughs> bought yeah. one of our products reached out to us actually you know just talk asking about one of our emails and now you're on the podcast and it's like one of those things where if you truly have that desire to give everything you can to your customers you can see so much success and, and also a magic where you're not there to just make them feel stupid. You know, you're not mad there to just one up on them and, and, and kind of increase your ego each night. Um, right. at least for me, you, you're there really to, to share something beautiful with them and to share that love that you have for the art with them. And, and I think that's a really important point. Beautiful. Um, I beautiful. Yeah. said. I always, I always, um,
1: cringe when I see a magician and make the, audience uh, you know, make, make the, the, the volunteer or one of the members of the audience look or feel stupid, there's a couple of exceptions right. where it's, you know, it's saved at the end and that's it, it, yeah. part of the narrative, but, but, but it has to be orchestrated very, very carefully in general, like, you, like your role is, it, it is to make them feel good. Your goal, your, your goal is to give them an experience. Like, you know, Susan this, this is, this is Mond book years ago, you know, I totally could have read it anyway. back of the Denmark. But to me, like, um, I've never, like, really, material objects have never really been it. it's, like that before. I'm kind of moving into that. Let's go minimalistic. Yeah. We don't have a lot of things. We think that the we can. Current, care. like, US I, craze. I, yeah, I get <laughs> a deck of cards that Juan to Maria is just kind of enough to sign for me. And th- some things like that. But it's not even like have the greatest card. And, and I think there's anything wrong with those things at all. But to me, it's all about, <clears throat> it's always been about. What's the way to say this? Like, I, I think that we are memory making creatures. And and I think that we are here to create, among other things, create wonderful memories and experiences um, for those around us and for ourselves. And I, I think those are the things that really last. They really last because those can be passed on. There's this great line at the beginning of Inception, still one of my favorite movies. I came out eleven years ago, mm. and uh, DiCaprio and a bit of what you already said is that the hardest thing to remove. Is, is an idea. It's the hardest thing to remove. And again, I mean, that, that, that has its place in business, <clears throat> certainly it doesn't marketing and it certainly doesn't magic as well. Doesn't it, um, doesn't it take Jacob, where you plant that idea, you, 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 can't, you can't do that. And I, I think that's also one of the reasons that the smarter they are, the harder they fall when it comes to certain, certain tricks. Like I've had, it's really hard. Have you had this experience where you do something for a child and they see right through that max taught me a version of yeah. just an improvisation over it, like any deck, time, anybody's deck out of this world. I'd always loved out of this world. I would not the original version. Yeah. Didn't particularly like the setup. I remember like that Max was like, try this one. And it's the one that I use to this day. A, a different, different spin on it than he does it. Yeah. And it almost never fails to land. And it's not that I do it so well. I've just done it so many times. It's I'm kind of able to read. And when I don't, I, you know, I just, okay. Then, 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 yes, it usually does I've it so many times. And I was in Thailand, I was on a vacation a break. Um, we we done some diving that day, I and mean, came back. We're doing a round of fire on the beach, and did it. And a bunch of Americans, some Aussies. And, uh, it was your a, a country, memory that night? And everybody just it, it, like the air left the room, and it, it does it for me. It's one of those things where I, when I spread the cards out at the end, I'm like, I, I don't know how that worked. I, I mean, I sort of know that it worked, but it's it's still miraculous to me. And I think that when it when I my eyes pop out, their eyes pop out. It's not a big thing. It really is miraculous. Just that it worked. Um and a little boy came up to me and it, it, my my tie was and still isn't that the weakest of them all it was, it was like, my life is like I tie's a guy that works. It was, oh, he was pretty careful. Yep. They see right through it. And, and that's a beautiful thing. You know, they do see right through it. But I think when it comes to certain tricks and, and some more complicated you ever had this experience that they're really, really smart people? They're mm-hmm. they're fooled. They're just, yeah, they just well, they're not <laughs> they don't have Sherlock like, Holmes right the the
0: Right. Yeah, it's like I recently watched that performance of uh of of like um David Blaine performing for for Jeff Bezos, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's it's so interesting. I don't know if you have any can shed any light on this, but um the one percent or I I hate kind of hate using that term, but I I guess I would say really successful people mm-hmm. um really like magic, <laughs> and it's it's kind of interesting. Yeah. I wonder if it's thing like uh, maybe it's kind of that creativity thing because I know a, like many film directors love magic because it's kind of in that same vein of creating something that people can see and then adapt, like identify with that isn't actually real. Um, but I, 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 am interested do, cause it sounds like you, you've met with a lot of those sort of people, or at least you've been in, in similar circles. Like, well, why do you think that is? Where do you think that fascination with magic comes from with these really um, successful people? So
1: You know, that's a really, that's a really interesting question. I, I guess, I guess my answer would be that a lot of people haven't seen magic. Why? you know there's more and more magic on the internet obviously the, the explosion of that there's a lot of exposed tricks which I, I really I, I really don't like that happens, but it happens and there's a lot of tricks that are exposed and effects that are exposed the wrong way too which is also kind of cool um but most people have never had that experience of actually seeing magic in a live context in a lot in a live theater in a live theater or in a live concert concert. and the immediacy of that because I think it's one of those things that really needs to be from that. when you see and I think Derek's encapsulated his show beautifully, beautifully on, on 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 Hulu. But as Derek says, it's not a magic show. And, and if you, I don't know if you've seen, uh, if you've seen it, no, it's really, really weird, but, Um But when people are there and they're in that moment and they're actually seeing it in front of them, and this is true of stage and parlor as well. But I, I'm a big fan of close up because there's just, that's it's that tightrope of that you with know, Like there, there's nowhere to go when it fails. Like it's it, it's right there, isn't it? Um, and then you either do the outs or you don't, and you cop to it's not working, or, or, or you don't, you know, or they're, or they're inebriated and it doesn't matter anyway, or you swap out the card or or you, it all depends on what the approach is. So I think a lot of people have never seen that, um, A. And I think it's just got that cool factor. I think a lot of people are like magic, a lot of people think magic is nerdy or weird or cool. And then there are always those people, and I wonder whether you've had this experience, that, it's really scary for them. I had a friend, i um, seen her in a long time, very incredibly talented uh, clinical psychologist here, movie star, what a lot of celebrities. She loved to loved to tell, when she had dinner parties at her house, Dan, Dan, Dan's an incredible magician, he'll do some stuff, I can't watch it. And when I asked her, what what is it? What is it that bothers you so much? she said the not knowing I can't not know <laughs> the not knowing is so frightening for and, you know, and it's an interesting thing right There's some people for whom that not knowing is so frightening um but it's there you know and you bring that in and so I have developed, I think a couple of tricks where not knowing is the whole thing of like not knowing and but you know actually when it's when it's that person doing it, when it's that person doing the effect or that person folding the
2: doing something
1: I can't even remember what it was it was a Mobius strip and involved the crass thing that around it's being a Mobius strip joint. It's really crass. and stupid, but it worked at <laughs> the time, um, but it worked and the way they did. it, And then they had that object that impossible object to take on, but they'd done it all. And then it kind of like removed the fear. Like, you, you did everything. Like, you literally did everything. Yeah, that's the thing to see. So there, there was that part of it, too. But again, like I think that gives us a give That gives us as performers and artists something to walk away with and ponder and work on and work through. And either commit to or put away. You know, I mean, I think there's an art to putting away material that either doesn't work or that you want to work on later, or that you've gone far enough on. You know, like this is as far as I want to take this. Let's bring in something else, um, and and, and, and let's try something new. And, and I've uh, evolved. I I, I have I'm not revealed so much. You said you're, you're you're 20 years old, which is a, a great age to be. Yeah. When I was 20, I'm like God, oh, i evolved. And, and every year, every year I know one of the greatest experiences of, of living, I think I realized this first time I lived in Japan, I was really struggling through learning to read and write. And it ultimately did. I put myself in a position where I could not speak English. There was nobody around me to do that. When you do that, every day I knew that I knew less. It was like living in the movie played Runner. Right? It really was at the time. Every day I stepped out and knew that I knew less. Uh,
0: sorry, I think I lost you for a second. Yeah, you're muted right now. Can you hear me? Down?
1: There we go. Can you hear me now?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. You were saying uh, yeah. I knew that I knew. Actually, I mean,
1: yeah. I mean, every day, every day, I realized that I knew less, and there was more to learn. And I, I was. I think one of the reasons that Japan worked so nicely for me, and that it really even now feels like a second home, is that like, I'm always curious about what is this, what is this country mean, and what is, what is this custom about. And very often they didn't know. Much like if somebody asked you, you know, what's the what's the basis behind the word, you know, indoctrination or, I don't know, like what what the technology of that, I don't know, but again, it it, it invites curiosity. And whenever anybody's interested in something that we're interested in, it it builds that sort of natural bridge. And so, you know, well, I no longer, I don't do shows and I don't do shows, but if somebody says, would you show me something? Um, and this gets back, if if it's okay, if I talk about the the magic play therapy thing that happened? Yeah, yeah, of course. So I, I, again, I don't practice as a therapist anymore, but I I, I felt um, about 10 years ago, 10, 12 years ago that I would like to go um, get a, a master's in, 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 in clinical psychology and I went to, um, I, what I think is the best program here in in, in Los Angeles, although there are a great many programs. I didn't think that I wanted to go with your doctorate, but I did want to get a master's. And uh, Antioch has got a, a very socially conscious, you know, community-oriented approach to it, but it's very clinical, like extremely clinical. And so when I started um, in my internship at a fantastic place called Air Force Exchange Service, which is mental health for the
0: you know,
1: low-income people, but it, you know they all pay something because if, if you know, it's a turn marketing, when people pay, Christian Mickelson says this: other you know, people pay. When people don't pay, they don't pay attention. So even if it's five bucks,
0: <clears> yeah, that, paying
1: something, so there's that commit, right? There's that, there's that, there's that the game. Um, there's so, I so was
0: working, working. I want to write that down.
1: When people don't pay, when people don't pay, they don't pay attention. Attention is true, even if it's a buck, five bucks, and, uh, something. And who's who said it? Uh, Christian Mickelson. Are you familiar with his work? He's a, um, not. he is a, he's in the coaching space. So Evan Pagan, who I believe you've heard of. Evan Pagan, yeah. Okay, so, so Evan Pagan has been in the, among other things, the coaching space for quite a long time. Kind of a real thought leader in that. It's interesting that the gurus, I guess we'd say in Hebrew, the green, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know mm-hmm. that, but um. They, you know, they each sort of overlap but occupy their own space. And so Abraham is mm-hmm. business development, just deep thinking on how to generate sales. He's just completely out of the box way doing that. And Ryan might Ryan, <coughs> that my mentor is uh, uh, building stuff off of surveys and identifying your market and attacking it in very scientific, measured, and in intentional ways. And uh, stuff, and they all they all have their own too. When they all, the Venn diagrams overlap. to McLaren and the Canada, does uh, tribe, which is membership, which is membership based and, and subscription services, membership service. but Christian and, and Christian and, uh, Evan, although they're in the same exact space, they're constantly promoting one of, one of those works because it's not a zero sum game. Is it people who uh, invest in one, you don't want
0: to get in that. Sketch mindset. Product,
1: right. They want to, they want to holograph that they want, they want to holograph. And yes, there are the course collectors and her and hoarders who don't, go nothing wrong with that. They feel better. Again, feeling good is about that thing. Ben talks about that too, right? People want to feel good about that purchase. And it, it is our responsibility. It's a little selfish, but it's not, it is our responsibility when we are, when we are doing, when we are doing good work and we know it can benefit them to sell to them, isn't it? And, and right. people want to be sold to people, 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 don't want to buy. They want to, they want to be, I don't know, train of thought on this one.
0: They want to buy from people whom they trust and they feel good. No, it's, it. it's like that Jay Abraham story of like, he talks about a lot with like the bottle of water. And if someone comes to you and you know you see like they're dehydrated and they want to drink then it's kind of your obligation to say well do you want more water you know do you want this bigger bottle of water do you Absolutely. want this more like purified like better water that's going to hydrate you better or whatever it might be it's, it's that same sort of principle of like in the end like if you have something that people want it's your obligation to make sure they understand <laughs> that there's either something better or there's more or just understand that how valuable what you're giving them is. So, yeah, that's good. A- absolutely. Ab- absolutely. And so it happened with, um, with my internship, um, which in California, you
1: have to collect two, two thousand, three thousand, a lot of hours to be able to sit for the exam, which I ultimately decided not to sit for, because at that point I decided that I wanted to coach. It was all the things that I loved about being a therapist without being beholden to the California Board of Behavioral Sciences. And I had no latitude. but there are a lot of, a lot of therapists who then move on to doing that but i was working with a, a teen population a lot um and i had also in just teaching magic when i was 10 and teaching little kids i along the way volunteered when i was in middle school mm-hmm. uh, middle school worked with uh developmentally disabled kids and when i was in college worked with um, young kids and big brothers sure. so that was, i always loved teaching it was that teaching was a great way of learning by yourself and going back into um, and kids um and at work, and i was i was lucky enough because i'd spent <laughs> pardon me pardon me Jacob four years on the ground in Japan working for a Japanese company. the first American in mm-hmm. Japanese, the first non-Japanese in Japanese company um and um and you know my day job mm-hmm. with with, with the, the foundation uh Panasonic in, in Osaka and developing the, the, the materials and then the night job singing at a club um every night yeah what's the 70s 80s stuff which I later found out was owned by the, Yakuza, the Japanese mafia so I was, Learning Osaka Japanese, which to <laughs> which to Tokyo ears sounds like you know sort of rural Alabama Japanese, but I was learning uh, word, sometimes I remember the word in Japanese and English, so specialty vocabulary from the ox at Night from the guys, and they
2: they mm-hmm. they love
1: me. I remember sitting playing rocket Man or something one night, and looking over, and there was like one of the top gang members with his pinky cut off because he'd his boss. That's the price you pay. His tears are streaming down his face. I'm like, this is a moment. This is one of those moments. Frozen. But I learned like some really nasty words from them. And when I moved up and I'd, I'd also learned it initially as a lot of guys do from my first girlfriend there. When I moved to Tokyo, my boss, Tani, was the only English speaker at Marvin, who's a very old, venerable, hundreds of years old trading company, uh, the import export company, took me aside he said, first of all, welcome, welcome to Marvin. the first American we've ever had people here have never metaphored it before he said second of all I, I don't know how to tell you this in, in, a, in a nice way so i'm just going to tell you um your japanese is nearly perfect but you speak like a like a, like a gay gangster from mississippi like where did you learn your <laughs> oh my god like they're so wrong on every level where do i go with that and, and it, it, the gay thing was that i learned effeminate women in japan i should paraphrase pre pre-frame, preframe this by saying Women in Japan speak Japanese, but they speak in a very, uh, in a different. It's sort of a different way that they speak. It. There's, a, hmm. there's, a, there's a different way that they, in their intonation. And my girlfriend at the time had come from a rural village outside of. Arizona. But it was a great wake-up call. It was a great. It was a great wake-up call, and, you know, I'm more, I more I turned it around well. Um I sort of have real, I hope that the I'd Gay gangster that was there, and Armando Lucero. I don't know if you were familiar with him or not. Mm-hmm. insanely talented magician that I ever met in my life not only with cards but with coins I'm sure you've seen him you love coin magic what Armando will put a coin under a card and then it just appears under another card and it is just so
2: cool. I mean, sitting there with Howard
1: Hamburg and, and Armstrong and Jeff you know and Michael Weber and we are just sitting there inches from this and lifted up and it just you know when your brain just melts out of your eyes and ears it's it's just yep. those moments <laughs> but Armando still when I picks up one of this gangster how you doing and it's uh, those happens to her. But what happened at the school back to the mothership here was um I was working with young people in a middle school and I had a very traumatized a couple of very traumatized team clients who incredibly traumatized events. And one didn't want to speak to me. I wasn't of the mind that you need to force kids to speak. Like, come on, Billy, let's let's talk. And I let her sit there and I honored her silence for several sessions. And then on the fourth session I said, you know, would you like to see a trick? I always had a deck of cards. And um, she looked at me and she kind of arched an eyebrow. I said, okay. And I showed, her, I showed her a trick. And I said, would you like to learn it? And she made the first sign ever. She goes, maybe. She said, maybe. I said, okay. And wh- what that led to, and, and play therapy, you know what play therapy is, but for the benefit of those on this podcast, who don't play therapy. Play therapy and art therapy are therapies in which, um, it can be adults too, but it's usually younger people. It's usually children or adolescents. Um, you know, they, draw, they draw a piece of art and uh, <clears throat> really the interpretation is in the in, is in the mind of the is in the, the mind of the artist. I, I'm skeptical of books that you buy off the shelf and say in the dream and the unicorn means this, and the ocean means your mother. It's really the interpretation is in should should come from the person who created the piece of art. I am not a good artist, but I thought, well, okay, this is something that's interesting. And I said, Well, let me show you this. It was something very simple. It was just a double lift in which one part changed over another. It would be much simpler than that. Out of the deadlift and um it particularly well the first time I said, well, this, is, this is progress along the way and what it turned into Jacob was just this wonderful thing over the course of six months hmm. it turned into five five different effects was, that effect was at the low end at the high end was was out of this world it was out of out of this universe as, hmm. as, as Max said I should present it um that very version modified slightly so so there was that continuum of something very easy something very difficult to present and and there were, there were three rules that I had for them. I said, you have to learn how to do it. You have to, you have to learn how to do it. And so there was the process. How did they learn it? Did they learn it exactly the way that I teach them? Do they go on YouTube and try, let's say, this is a better way. Do they try and better me or show me up? Did they steal the cards, which happened a bunch of times? Did they throw them down and discuss? There's was that process. I said, you also have to, have to develop a story about this. It can be anything. It can be about your life. It can be about your, <clears throat> it can be a piece of silent theater. Because that's still a story, isn't it? And the third was... And this wasn't articulated to them. It was, what's the presentation going to be? Is it going to be about, look how great I am. Look what I can do that you can't. Or is it going to be, look at what you can do. And it was just it so awesome. It was so awesome to see these kids. just, And they'd never had this experience before. You know, there's inner city kids who um, came from, generally, very poor families. And they hadn't really, there was no arts program in the LA schools. And they, they, they'd, they'd run out of budget. So there was no arts program, no music program and this thing just took off and um, I, I, I was so pleased and privileged with it I, I, yeah
0: that's amazing
1: yeah I was so pleased and pleased and privileged and then a couple of years later when I was tasked with um creating an anger management program for uh gang members in the in the Boys and Girls Club of, of Venice um which is interesting to be tasked with because I had a lot of anger management programs as a kid but teach what you know teach what you know go into it and these were gang members and these this was their last stop <laughs> on the train before they went to prison these were teen offenders who not murder but pretty short of that this was their last stop on the train and so my approach to them and what do they what are what do kids of color from gang see when they come into a room at that the 40 40 something you know a caucasian guy and what's their experience generally been with males of my you know race? cop uh principal you know negative or some positive but it was but, you know, I just let it go. Like everything in the room is material, right? Everything in the room just as, and this is true in magic. Everything's material, and it's true in the therapy rooms. Everything was material, and for talk about. And so we'd have, we'd have uh, Latin gang members on one side, some Asian gang members, Latin gang members, and then black gang members on the other side, American gang members, and they would give each other permission to use the the, the negative terms about each other. Like it was one day in which, the, the. African-American members gave permission for the Latin gay members to use the N word. Like, it was really interesting. Like, we would kill you if you use this, but we wouldn't see how you use this. And it was like such an incredible breakthrough. And then I brought in improv. I introduced improv and I gave them like second year ex- exercises. Exercises. Like, have you ever done improv? Improvisation before?
0: Yeah, I have. Okay, yeah. So- I mean, uh, yeah, my, my family's really like theater-based. So I, I okay, wouldn't say I've right. done like professional classes, but I've been doing like theater and stuff all my life so yeah
1: right and again like i am not presenting myself as like a guy i just happen to have been a lot of time at the groundlings like, and seen seen a lot of it and taken some mm-hmm. classes and so i, I think bringing that in, and I, th- I think improv is a great tool just for like as i said before, it's just great in any context um and it was exercise is like a new choice which for those here on the podcast who've never seen new choice new choice is when you put somebody on stage they're generally labeled by somebody in the audience so they're on stage and you the audience what's this person's name and it's his name is Billy, and the person on stage is not allowed to not take that name. You would say, no, my name is actually this. You can't name Billy. No, you're Billy, for the purpose of this. Thing, and they're given a place to work. Uh, you're in Starbucks, so you're making coffee. Okay. And, and along the way, I, I say, I will, I will at some point say, new choice. And, and whatever you're doing th- at, at, at that time, you have to say something that is a new choice. So for example, uh, making coffee, let's add some cream, new choice. I have to add some yeah, butter, new choice. I have to have some boiling hot lava. So again, look, and you don't think through it. You just go with it. You just go with it. And again, with the idea that most well, you just fail forward. You fail often. Those aren't failures. Those are just exercises. And the <clears throat> just the freedom that these guys felt was just. It, I I don't know who's more excited, that they or they or me. Than them or why? I don't know. Saying that right. It reminds me of what my wife says when I finish my sessions with the Elite student coaches is a startup mm-hmm. right now. They've been doing this work for a long time but very often I'll finish my sessions with the kids two two yesterday I'll walk into the other room in our in our place in Hollywood and my wife Kelly will turn to me and say, i you know you should be paying them who's getting more out of this and say, it's, <laughs> it's a great, it's a great question, but the magic play therapy took off and and um and even now it's it's uh, and, and the improv thing took off and it's so nice to be able to leave something behind that was a passion and um, you know I think we make we make our marks in the road um in the things that we do for others in the service of others. And again, I don't like yeah. to come off as like Johnny Do because I, I certainly have had my, you know, look, greed is good. Gordon Gecko is right. But greed, you know, greed is good when it's in the service of others and you're providing something that is of value that will improve their life. Um,
0: and by dint of doing that, help
1: them pass that on to other people. And, you know, you make mistakes along the way with that. But again, circling back again, we don't want to circle through we? a lot of roundabouts, <laughs> um, which I've entered, entered in your home country in the wrong way. Every American does that. And boy, Oh my gosh. So
0: yeah. It's, yeah it's
1: like being in a video game. Honestly,
0: going back, cause I was like, I lived in France for ages and then now I've been living in the <laughs> US and going <laughs> my back God. to the UK, it's actually terrifying. I'm like, Oh, it, I, I understand now. <laughs>
1: it, it, it really is. It's really, there are so many countries in which it's absolutely terrifying. It wasn't as terrifying in Japan, although driving, I've always had trouble driving, left doing doing right hand drive cause I'm a righty. And so I have to reach across my lap and do the shift mm-hmm. with my right hand. But, but then doing it while reading Japanese signs, signs in Japan—that was very
2: challenging. <laughs> you know,
1: like go, just go for it, man. Just try it. Like, what's the worst that can happen? Um, but again, coming back to again, what you guys are doing, what whether it's an experiment or whether it, it seems very intentional. But I, I love that you and I. I mean, first of all, it's a great I was so happy. I was a little, and to be honest, I was a little nervous. When did this. I'm always a little nervous to mm. I didn't know. It wasn't like Will Jacob. Like <laughs> that part too. We all sort of like to be liked as much as like I don't care. I don't care. Well, you know, there is that piece of us that's like, you know, we want to. It's not so much to be liked. We want to. We want to do something that's good for somebody else. And, right, of course. And yeah, on that part. But will I be of service? Which is why I wanted to have that that conversation. you are having a lovely organic conversation. But again, I think what you guys are doing is 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 so. Have there have been other people who've combined magic and marketing i think it's likely serrano here and now he's taught a course in magic right excuse me marketing for there are other stabs at this um but i've never seen anything quite <clears throat> quite as beautifully and elegantly and intentionally folded together where you really give you know sort of the marketing equivalent of psychoeducation. you're actually teaching psychology along the way too there was mention of that the other day with with good mentions, and I don't know whether you're doing any affiliate work mm-hmm. or not on this, with, with people who are just real masters, and under so much underground masters, people have heard of Ben Seigl, but Ben is modeling, you're modeling, you're modeling what he's doing, or he's modeling what you're doing, or both, where, you know, you're welcome to join, you're welcome to join, join up when you leave, you leave. we don't let you back in, and here's the reason we don't, you explain why, and I think, but do you want to talk about why that is for the
0: people who have it, who are in your, in your Sure, yeah, I mean, it's kind of, I mean honestly like breaking it down like for us it's just kind of well first of all it shows like we want real dedication from our people that join as as far as like just customers in general it's a weird way of just like qualifying them because when you run a business you don't want to have problem customers so that's that's one thing in a selfish way (laughs) like it it pre-qualifies people in a way of like okay listen like if you this is not you know if you leave like you leave like and and we, we don't want problem customers because our time is almost precious resource and if we want to produce good content for people then obviously we we want to also um have that that time and if we have problem customers then it it, it soaks up so much time i guess secondly it would be it's a low-cost subscription and so other than in very very particular situations it never should really be the cost between you and your next meal you know and if it is then don't sign up you know again that's another reason (laughs) that we have that thing it's like and and so that's another thing as well it's like seeing as it's literally cheaper than netflix cheaper than amazon cheaper than all of these things it sure is we want people to take the like think about it before they cancel you know it's like it it helps us be one of the last things because they know okay you can't get back in it's not like netflix where you can just resubscribe Uh, so yeah that's part of the thinking and then finally it's magic, and people love things that are exclusive, <laughs> and so yeah, there's, people there's, like there. feeling part of something that is secretive, and so that also adds that level of kind of authenticity that, you know, people that are in here really want to be here, and if they leave, they can't come back, and it helps you feel like you're really part of, of something special. So I guess that's that's kind of a lot of the, the thinking that goes into that.
1: I think it's I, I think it's I think it's really wonderful, and 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 uh, if you've been following, a, he's a very good friend of Ben's and. Friends of his model, his launches after I mean, Troy Broussard. we have you been following what Troy's doing. He's, a, um, he's an ex Navy guy. He's really guy. And he's also following. In the,
0: oh, yeah. I, uh, I think yeah. he's a big fan. Benji would hit me in the face right now because I'm pretty sure he talks about this guy all the time to me. Yeah, yeah. He's
1: come out and he's doing <laughs> Memoirs of Mastery. So he's also following the El Benbo Press, which is the benefit of people who are right, on right. his call. Ben Settle is a, a,
2: not a,
1: better word, a brilliant marketer, but a copywriter. He occupies the copywriting space. Yeah. And I'm really done Case. if you knew me well enough if find me do it, but he sure would anyway. <laughs> but he, he does that and he's 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 uh very steeped in the work of uh, uh, cop, the world's greatest copywriters, but it's incredibly well well read and he, he integrates all kinds of things, lessons in he's a he's a he's a gracious reader and he brought in lessons about American presidents the other day what did he talk about was yeah, about living in the woods. Yeah it's fascinating <laughs> stuff. But he's got a very strict policy like you're it, he's got a monthly length, uh, uh, newsletter.
2: <clears throat>
1: Which you know it's prices, but it's it's not cheap, and it's not it's not going to break the bank, and it's but it's right. so it, it is it's gold, it's absolute gold. You don't want to leave, and if you leave,
2: you can't come back. Yeah.
1: And that's the thing, like you can't. And it obeys those laws of of you know, scarcity and exclusivity. Like you know, when when you're when there's an offer, it's usually it's not open all the time. Good offer, it's not open all the time. There you know, there's open door, just open open cart, closed card uh and when you don't act fast something goes away or the price goes up there's always a penalty to pay so you reward fast action but again in doing so you're uh, ideally hopefully modeling behavior for the people who are coming into your tribe and if you want to run with a tribe you learn to um, you know you, you fall along the way and you learn to run with a tribe maybe just one of the authors, or maybe i mean you get sick or you're, you're to hacked they are usually pretty good about it but this El benbo press which is one of ben's books talks about the publishing model and so ben
0: yeah and just Troy, finished that. yeah, oh, yeah it's great it's, it's it's so gold
1: good. it's gold which talks about his model is uh, he he doesn't publish anything like, well they have there's a an app platform that he and and, uh, and Troy are working on which distributes a lot of content on your app but for the for the newsletter that is strictly a hard copy newsletter like that gets delivered by Federal federal express worldwide I'm sure worldwide at great cost to them and, and his books which are unbelievably good I think the one he's with really, this as well which I think you mentioned in one here yeah all about this in, in ways that you just would have never thought about before, and it's called look I've been around marketing 30 37 years and um <clears throat> I've only said this to a couple of people I said this to Mark Lack, who his, I don't know if you've heard of Mark Locke. Mark is a Mark is kind of the kind of like the, the not that other people don't do it, the personal branding guy Mark and I have started building the friendship and he's got a show called it's, it's sort of a glitzy uh, show. Business rock stars. And he's had people on there from Shark Tank and he's had uh, Wahlberg and he's had, uh, I mean, he's had real titans of business, billionaires on there. And, uh, and he called me a couple of weeks ago he's like, what you're doing and, and what you want to do. With and I'm not saying this to brag, I'm saying this out like, of sheer shock. He's like, I'd love to have you on the show. And he's Mark, A, I'm so flattered. And, and B, you realize that you have got billionaires on there. I mean, multi thousand. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, and again, like it's you, you know, you're like like it's the old me, it's the old reptile brain me, like comparing myself, like, I'm, the the I'm not good enough, which comes from you know, one I'm not good enough. But, you know, old habits die hard. and I'm learning to overcome, and I own it. Like when it comes up, I'm like, great, I own that. You know, I own that. And just because you're a highly trained mental health professional doesn't so, I mean you're not doing a step in poop on that thing. But you you learn faster from it, uh, and you know. Any career has ups and downs. You're you're early on in your career, you'll learn this. You know, there is absolutely no straight path. Mm-hmm. It's just like people are like linear. And in fact, that makes for great stories, doesn't it? You talked about Campbell before. There's no like, I started here and it's just been a straight line to, you know, to happiness and wealth. <laughs> and that's not an interesting story. I mean, it's great for the person, happy for them. But It's not an interesting story. Life's about life's about struggles and and, and, and recovery. And I love that you, I love you brought up. Um, it's 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 tough going if you get all the way through it, and it really requires multiple reads. But isn't it yeah. really about about that hero's journey and and about you being the guide, um, you know, the pur- you the purveyor and the teacher and the the seller of the right. books, or me as the as the this comes back to about mentor and tea, being being the guide and that person being the hero. I mean, who's the most interesting person in the early Star Wars movie? I, think, I, think, I talked this asked this the other day. Luke Skywalker. I would just say wrong. And I, I respectfully argue that it's, that it's Yoda. Luke becomes the most interesting person because ultimately, in my opinion, the hero does become the guide and then imparts those lessons to other people. But this is like, we're hardwired for this stuff, right? We're hardwired for this stuff. And this is stuff that we see every day. And when you, when you are able to contextualize this stuff, I think, for who is lay people or for your audience or, anything, or for yourself, because I think communication, look, in this, in this, help your child become successful for life. With that's not it's I'm not like get your kid into college. It's like help your kid become successful for life by learn to become a better got a solid communicator. I think I think you mentioned that you that you were um on a league college coach. And um, I tripped across a quote the other day um, by one of my one of my sort of I've never met him, but one of sort of my idols and mentors, uh, and I think one of Abraham's too, um, Warren Buffett who, you know, is yeah. worth more money than God and, and lives a very, uh, not aesthetic lifestyle, but he lives within his means in the same house that he was in uh, years. And and uh, and uh, I came across a quote that I really wanted to put on there because it's, again, it's sort of social proof. And the quote reads as follows, the, and it's under the header, what makes elite college groups different from typical prep and counseling services, because we want to differentiate yourself. Again, like we, we as marketers think, okay, this is a great product. Everybody should know what it is. I relentlessly test because you really need to put yourself in the position of, and I have two layer, layers of clients for this, right? The clients who consume, which are the, who are the kids, the kids themselves, and then also the parents who are typically footing the bill. And it's a complex thing because the parent right. very often wants to be wants to be the guide and wants to be the mentor and wants to be the good guy or the good <coughs> the good mother. That's not the parents' role, right? The parents' role is to be a parent. You can't be everything to kids, and uh, the kids are resistant. So. Becoming a mentor, and you can become a mentor really at any age. I mean, you can certainly mentor at twenty. It helps when you have a little gray hair and you've been beaten up a little bit. So it's great knowing that mentors want. Mentors one of those fields that the older, the 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 more you get on. I'm not saying you have to be my age, but as you get older, you get better. Like you you age into it. And in in a society in which, and I'm not sure this is true in Europe, certainly in America, which is becoming more and more ageist, it's one of those things where there's that evergreen aspect of like, okay, I'm going to get better at this as long as I'm passionate about it. But the quote reads as follows, the one easy way to become worth 50% more than you are now, at least, is to hone your communication skills, both mm-hmm. written and verbal. more yeah. And that really spoke to me, Jacob, you know, and, and, it, and it occurred to me that communication isn't so much about learning, it's it, it, as much so about being able and, and honing your skills about communicating with the world, without, and the, the world without when it comes to finding one's voice and, and voices, on paper and in person, as it is learning to communicate with the world within and getting to know ourselves as as people. Like, what what really makes me tick? Because the, the more that you have that feedback loop, the more that that feedback loop interacts with the, the work that you're doing as a mentor. And a mentor could also take the form of being a better son. I was privileged enough to go back to Boston for a few years. Mm-hmm. And uh, my dad, with whom I had a very rocky relationship growing up, had, had Parkinson's, 5 Parkinson's for 20 years. In those last few years, I was able to go back. Sing to him and change his diapers, and help, with the team, of hmm. course, of, of caregivers. My mother had a very, very smart idea to keep him at home, which accepted his it life. It's a great joy in that, you know. And I think that, um, I think there's an art to stepping up and, and being a good son later on in life poor daughter. And, and you know, here certainly in Northern Europe and, and certainly in Japan, uh, it, they're one in four millennials is going to become a caregiver. And there's so much fear in that. It's just the, it's the same kind of fear I think that there is in being a writer. Here. So many people are absolutely terrified of the of page. Like, do I do there? Um, It's the same thing here. Like there is no roadmap. Um, and I'm going to focus when I have a, a, a group coaching program for people in that space. Just as right now, elite college coaches one to one, but I'm moving to the group, uh, the group model, which for the benefit of people who are on marketers, so you know that you are a marketer, seasoned marketer, even in mm-hmm. um, your twenties. One to one coaching is a great place to start. It's really where you learn what works and what doesn't work for you as a coach and a mentor um, on that continuum. But it's not leverageable. Even if you're getting paid a grand an hour, two grand an hour, it's a very high paid gig, right? It's a very high paid side gig. What is leverageable is group. Yes? And I know preaching the choir for you. Um, And I'm saying this for the benefit of the people who are going to enter your program, those fortunate enough to be able to do so. Of your card, because yes becoming a better magician is absolutely it's really important it's so cool it's so much fun and it's one of these passions these hobbies and passions and vocations that will last you forever but you're also in business but whether if you're an artist you're in business you are in business no matter what it is right. that you do and I don't mean to cheapen that but you but you are you're always, you are always I mean, just,
0: just in life you're always doing that's the thing I love about like negotiation and learning like you know never split the difference like that like every engagement you go through there's a classic you yeah yeah, there's something that you want out of that right I mean not that in a selfish way it's just that's how life is we're talking to people we're negotiating and yeah whether like you say whether you're a magician or or business or straight a business person like everyone is all of these principles apply to everyone right in some way because all of us want something and all of us are doing our best to to get it somehow so we really, we and really, it, we yeah. really do.
1: That's a great book that you talked about. I go, back, there's an, oh, there's a 70s book called Winning Through Intimidation, which is such a 70s book, but you know, there's some good stuff in there. And I, there are the, there are the, the must-read classics like Chiltonese influence. Uh, that, yes, that of course. Yeah. That's, a, that's a must-read, a must-multiple read. And then I've also started exploring a lot of the, like the, the hostage negotiation stuff. I like Chris Boss, who was one of the FBI hostages. You know, you can never really learn enough about it, but you can skim through these, right? You don't have to actually read every single word. You, you have, have to read every word. But um, because very often, and I, I, I wonder whether you've experienced this, I'm curious to hear the rest of it. very often, customers aren't aware of what it is that they really need. What they think they need isn't what they need. It, many times they are. And you have to dig for that. And when they become aware of what it is that they they really do desire, you're really to go on to gold. And it's a question of, it's really a, a thing of asking the right questions. And that does two things. That empowers you to build a better mousetrap, uh, a better series of products it's much better tailored to what it is that they want, and it really builds that bond. It really builds that bond because you're displaying empathy and you're showing that you really care, and it gives you that opportunity to cultivate your listening skills. Um, right. mm-hmm. Does that? That's my. This is my. Sorry, sorry I'm gonna fall off my soapbox here. How, you know, speak no. on that one. Does that resonate with you? Yeah,
0: yeah, I think so. I, I, it's kind of interesting. Like, yeah, it's there's a there's a story actually that I really like where there's um. Basically, it, there's there's two cooks and they're on they're in a competition with each other, right? And and they they both have recipes, uh, and both of them realize that they and, and uh I'll, you'll explain. I'll, I'll explain why this flies in a second, but uh, both of them, you know, that that they both need an orange, and they realize that the there's only one orange between both of them, okay? Mm-hmm. And so that they, they debate and and they say, okay, well, what's the fairest thing we can do? It's to split the orange fifty fifty. Uh, and so what happens though is when they get back to their recipes, they didn't realize that uh, one of them just needed the orange peel and the other one needed the orange juice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it, it's the same thing. It, it's a great story. And it really illustrates this thing of like, if we can get to the deeper issue, you know, if you can help your customer understand what their deeper issue is, then, they, then even their perception of what is fair, because we constantly search after this word fairness, in, in, I think in, in life. And, and and it's interesting thing here. I love that story because it really illustrates that um, everyone's looking for something different. And like you said, if we can help a customer, if we can help someone understand what they're truly looking for and what drives their desire, uh, then you can make a much more. You can help them make the best purchase for themselves and the, and the best deal for themselves. So yeah, no, I definitely agree that it's, a, it's an important principle. That's
1: that's cool. And that's what an interesting spin on that. Can, may I ask how that's playing out in your life how, how long is how long has this project been on the ground?
0: A couple of weeks or? uh as far as just when like did you launch business, it? yeah when or? did you launch it yeah this business uh we launched a business uh six months ago maybe yeah. six months ago seven months okay. ago so i came i think i came into the fold when it came to emails maybe just about
2: two
1: months ago um, yeah i forget yeah, i forget what my ramp was uh I, I forget what this was. Called. i'm usually good about track backtracking i think you might if,
0: have come from david regal but i don't know you know it might have been I can, I can look I, you up in the system yeah I'd be I it would be
1: interesting after the fact to find out where that came in but I I'm yeah. I'm, I'm very very sort of eagerly following following the train on, on this one and I'm curious to know how what you just talked about is playing mm-hmm. out are you getting people I know that I know that the reason that you contacted me or the Benji contacted me was mm-hmm. based on some feedback that I gave um mm-hmm. which was uh, I, I I'm getting a little inundated is there a is there a, a less frequent version of this that I mm-hmm. could get, which you know, I tipped out around that. I said, I hope I, I, I'm saying this with I, I'm saying this with love and respect. I'm wondering if right. there a way that I could,
0: and then I realized afterwards, like,
1: what, well, you know, what a dick thing to say. But then I also thought, you know, no, I I I've been a marketer for a long time, and and I'm not trying to offer. I'm not stepping I can't pilot. up on this one, but um, I'm offering this from the perspective of people. Who, has to unsubscribe so much because I'm so busy and I really would love to get this as a digest, like everything that you're writing, but just twice a week. Mm -hmm. And, and Benji was so kind in when he wrote back, he was like, thank you. Thank you for this. Like, thank you so much for this. And, and based on what you wrote, would you like to be on the podcast? You know what? I'm so glad that we have this interaction and it goes Mm -hmm. back to, and, and mine wasn't written in any hostile way. Don't, no, no, no. It, but uh, i read
0: it. I've read it. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But, but it read, it came back to me and, and you've done this as well as, as it's been doing. Mm-hmm. We talked about where I've run customer service organizations, for the course of course, many years within companies that, <clears throat> pardon me, within companies, um, that I've been a part of, but for the most part, I've had my own company, but it's been punctuated every few years, tent pulled, if you will, by taking gigs with corporate, corporate, yeah, corporate gigs along the way, just to see what it's like. You know, and yeah. after a year, the last one was uh, running West Coast Marketing <coughs> with State Farm, uh, the big, the big American insurance company. And, yeah, uh, that's
0: cool.
2: You
1: know, forty-five billion dollars. <laughs> so, and it was running California <laughs> for them. Running California for them. There's sort of three jewels in the crown. That was California, <coughs> Texas, one is Florida. And it wasn't. A, it was a good salary. It wasn't a huge salary, but I took it on as a challenge because when the when the uh, when the headhunter came after me, they said, you know. Uh, I said, I, I know nothing about insurance and no disrespect intended. I, I have no interest in insurance. And they're like, mm. that's great. They're looking for somebody who doesn't, but they're looking for somebody who is a marketer that came in. And it, it, was a, it was a couple of really wonderful years. At the end of the day, they really did need somebody with that domain expertise. But the reason I bring this in, bring this in, is here's a company that's been around a long time, vacuuming up money, doing a fantastic job. with it. Great retention, but no marketing. You know, they've been just doing it by accident. When we had a little intentional stuff that went on, it really worked out well, and there was 16 interviews, an insane a number of right? insane number of interviews. Um, and so the first thing I did was, um, was before the first interview, I went to a couple of state farm agents because it's an agent structure, right? It's not just like a company; we have agents who sell this and they do very well. Well, agents, I said, you know, I, I'm standing, and I'm up for the position, of or, this is a marketing director, manager, whatever it is. What are the things that would mean the most to you? What are you not getting right now? And, and interesting thing. Let's have a cup of coffee and talk. And when I went into the first interview, I, I talked about this with the two very senior people. I mean, it was this dead silence like like And they said, well, no, well, nobody told you to do that. You said to do that. And I said, Nobody. I just thought it was, wouldn't you want to know what they want? And it reminded me, <laughs> I'm, no Eric, I'm no Eric Weiss, by the way. It just reminded me of what Eric Weiss did. He did, I don't know, are you a Star Trek guy at all? Um, yes, I do okay. like so. So the Kobayashi Maru, which again for the, yeah, yeah. for the people who don't know, for the one person on this podcast who doesn't know it, <laughs> you know, there's an unwinnable uh, Starfleet um, uh, exam that you had to pass at the end test, whatever it was, where it was an unwinnable situation. The, the, the Starfleet ship was surrounded by Klingon warships. You couldn't win the the, the test to see how long you could last before you got blasted out of space. And Kirk snuck in and reprogrammed the computers one night, and um, that's how he went And when he was called to tap the Starfleet told me i couldn't do it so it was <laughs> and and what happened it, my recollection is so fascinated by houdini not so much as a magician but just by the cheap mm-hmm. guts the guy had um there's a story about when he was 15 14 years of age and the family just how no money at all there was a there were a couple of jobs available i think they were in new york at the time williamsburg, williamsburg some section of new york, uh cutting neckties in those days they were cut by hand at a factory um and he went and there were kind of 100 men in line it was wasn't the depression, but it was, it was very poor time. And he made a sign that said, position taken, go home. Thank you for your time. And he, the foreman came out and everybody's gone. He said, where did they go? And he said, my name's, you know, my name's Eric. I sent them all home. I've taken them. To and that's just what it was. That's what it was. Like, it was just that sheer, like, <laughs> chutzpah, right? Like, he just would not take no for an answer. And it was that. And I don't say, I'm not putting myself in that category at all. But again, like, it's that folding space thing. Like, try something different. When did I try something different? New choice, new choice, right? And I've seen you guys do this in your emails. It's like like uh, and and they don't seem heavily edited at all. It doesn't have that too many cooks in the kitchen. You've said you've been you're a writer, obviously, clearly.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: But have you ever had the experience of writing overwriting something too much and it feels like too
2: many cooks?
0: Yes, it doesn't happen at all.
1: But (laughs) I'm sure you guys have done some very careful editing. Like that's the process that's interesting, right? And then you get some feedback and you try something new. Look, it's all about taking that journey, right? Like, we're we're all in our own way, like, the, the hero who stumbles along on our own journey, whether
2: it's right. magic or in business
1: or as a student or as a son or a daughter. And we're, we're, we're on that journey. I think we're here to, like, help, help other people. Somebody put it to me. Wrong, I don't remember. It may have been Max. It may have been one of the other greats. It was certainly one of the other states. We so you know what, Daniel? Imagine you're on a mountain. And some people... Have sherpas, sure sherpas sure carry them up the mountain, and all their like trunks full of stuff. Other people are just scrambling and ripping their fingernails off as they go up. But other people are there helping other people go up. We're all getting up one way or the other. We're getting up there. We're all mm. getting up there in our own way. And that to me is so fascinating. You know, it's just there's there's all that so many different ways to play it. And, you know, when it comes to magic, there's so many ways to play that as well with the plot that you love. With so many, so many different ways for for, for any card, right? But right. Uh, be any card in the audience the um, I, I have one effect I do is it's pure risk it almost never works. And when it does if it, it doesn't work if the audience decides that he, it's usually a shape isn't gonna go in that direction. They just say, oh that's an interesting thing. For me it's it's a different card. And then we move in that direction. But when it does, I won't say what the effect is it is um it's it's it's, it's all gold and it's in their hands. And then I leave them with, with the deck, which I think what's yeah, a deck two box They walk home and the, what they walk home with is yeah they get their deck they have the memory. They have the memory of something that was special to them that they did. And, and why do I need, why do I need the Why do we need the use I think early on maybe in our careers, we do need that as magicians. I think we need the approval. I think the applause is nice. But um, look, this is just my two cents. I'm not. From a, from a middle-aged, high middle-aged guy who's had the privilege of talking. Hope, mm. I hope it's going to be a, become
0: a friend. I I am so honored to be with and I hope I haven't rambled on too much. No, no. Yeah, well, thank you so much for sharing everything that you just did, Dan. Now, we actually just got disconnected for a second, so I'm, I'm picking this back up. But um, I really have appreciated hearing all your life stories, and I really appreciate your kind praise, especially for someone that seems like they've had such an interesting life and delved into so much. Uh, and yeah, like I was saying, I, I think this is really the an- the antithesis of of everything that we've been we try and do here at The Magician is bring someone on that I never would have met you on th- any other way I, I don't think, you know, maybe <laughs> but maybe, probably not, Luckily not. Uh, and and we never would have been able to talk about all the things that we have and everything you've talked about has been, like I said just everything that we hold dear which is taking things that are not magic and applying them to magic and then also taking things that are magic and applying them to things that are not magic Absolutely. Uh, and I, I really have appreciated having you on I've really appreciated hearing your stories I've appreciated how candid you've been uh about everything um and yeah um if there's anything i i don't know how much crossover we have but if there's anything that you'd like to shout out before <laughs> we're done or anything that i can do, look, uh you well
1: know. I, you know i'm gonna start off with a shout out for your program and 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 i and i'm not being paid for this i'm new i'm new in your program and i am i, I don't give endorsements and i am i give this like a, 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 my thousand percent endorsement i i think i think you guys okay. are on as i said as, as i said too, Engine is something very, very special, and I think your 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 low cost pricing—I want to say it's ten dollars, nine ninety-five. I think yeah. sort sure of that is incredibly yeah. low barrier, and and I'm 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 excited. Are you going to give the the, the new members an opportunity to interact on the Slack channel, yeah, or, yeah. or something. Yeah, okay.
0: I was, was, I was, I was actually just, I think we're gonna have like a, a, a jam. I was actually gonna talk to you about it afterwards if you wanted to share. Yeah, no, no, let's do,
1: let's do example. that after, after, after this break. Absolutely, I think, yeah. I think that's really exciting too. And I think what happens very often is, you know, you see marketing courses and they're like, oh, they, they say, um, oh, you get a free Facebook community, a free ninety seven mm-hmm. value, but it's, it, it, it doesn't really work well because there's nothing monitored, there aren't questions, you need to have. Pacers along the way and there needs to be some, modern. but I think in the case mm-hmm. of this, it gives, uh, there's an opportunity to sort of, for lack of a better word, micro mastermind, yeah. right? For mm-hmm. people to kind of share and swap ideas. I just think magicians are, are so interesting. And look, and I've learned a lot from the, from, from the young magicians. And I also, yeah. you know, I have a lot of the, you see a lot of this at the castle in life, you know, the, the sort of cantankerous older magicians, of which I officially, sadly, <laughs> one of, and they're like, you know, the, the <laughs> younger ones, they just want to get a penguin and learn a trick that's gonna, get them, you
0: know, a date. I don't think there's anything wrong. If people have figured out how to do that, please tell me because. uh
1: Yeah, well, you know, I, I <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you know, I, I really wish I'd had that when I was like you know, 12, thirteen But um, that yeah, that was never really my objective. I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. I do see some people who really kill it with that, but the um, I don't think there's anything wrong. with it. In fact, I think getting. Mm-hmm. Getting the home run out, out, like getting that home run out the door um, early on, going, you know, I can succeed. Because, you know, in the early days, it's like a Royal Road, a fantastic, fantastic book. But I don't think you need to spend, you know, years and years perfecting your double lift before you can then go on and do something else. I am all for old school apprenticeship. I think that is wonderful. But I do think you need to experience success. I think this comes back to what we talked about before, where the world comes to young people in a much faster, more competitive way. And I think in order to punch through that and give people some confidence, because one of the, one of the key factors here, so had a lot like of things: empowering your child, because I have two audiences, for the, for the parent, your child to, to communicate with confidence, clarity, and impact. And the confidence is a very important thing there. You know, a lot of some people are naturally confident. I, I was not, and I think that there are a lot of a lot of ways to to empower people to become confident. A lot of adults who are not, and a lot of confidence is getting out there and and micro failing, but failing in a safe environment. And you, I, you know, and I think. Evan Pagan's wife, Annie, talks about it. So I'm going to paraphrase her, but it's not an original idea. But she just says it in a beautiful way, which I will now proceed to butcher. Which is that the role of a, of a, of a coach, for a mentor for me, is to hold your client in high high esteem, even and and especially when he or she does not hold himself in high esteem. It's a safe place to go, mm-hmm. you know. You're modeling behavior that they're not going to get from someone else, and it's a real old. school. It reminds me, sort of, in some ways, of of what you what they have in Europe for the apprenticeship. System, you know, you practiced before. Yeah, that's, finances, that's pretty cool. But which, which we don't really have in the states, but you know, just because life is changing and it's been a really rocky situation with COVID and politically, and it doesn't mean that things can't can't change. You know, I, I I am a fan of like, you know, envisioning positive change, and if it doesn't work, okay. Like, I, I somebody said to me once, um, expectations are resentments under construction. That's a beautiful phrase for that one. You know what a right. beautiful phrase. I love. I loved it. You know, when you have the expectation, I was kind to this person. I gave them, and they didn't give me something back. They didn't give me something back. It's a hard. It's really hard not to take things personally. People like, Don't take things personally. That is hard to do. But and every so often, let's be honest, it's nice to cultivate a little garden of resentment for something. But it just it doesn't pay off because I am just of the opinion that letting other people rent space in your head for free is not a strategy. You know, like you can always go out and get more money. You mm-hmm. can always get out and go out and get new tricks. You just can't get more time. You just cannot get more time. And uh, and the time passes quickly. You yeah, know, it, it, it does pass quickly. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm much more settled, I'm much more settled. And I, I think this, this, I don't know whether this is a cross gender line, gender, certainly as a man, I've become a lot more comfortable in my, in my own skin as I've gotten older and,
2: and uh, mm-hmm. accepting
1: and, um, and, um, and, um, and more grateful. And that's really kind of, I guess, the umbrella of the draw on this thing. Right? And, and I'm not saying this like yogi wisdom. Because there's a lot of times when I'm not, but I, I fall off of the my own you know, donkey cart for this thing. I'm grateful for so much. You know, when I'm talking with patients, and I do this for some of my mentees right now, or mentors when I'm actually mentoring Candy, um, not a productive strategy, is to um, have them do a gratitude list. Of, you know you know what that mm-hmm. is, right? It's just, yeah, yeah. I usually work on yellow, yellow pads. There's a note Seinfeld uh, thing on how to write a joke, <coughs> architecting a joke. It's all about a joke and a Pop-Tart and how hard it is to do that. Stand up is the opposite of improv. Stand up is about getting out there and making the uh, aha, architecting the uh, aha. Uh, uh, improv is about getting up there in a Buddhist way, distinguishing the flame. But it's the um, yellow. He always said, I work better on yellow pads. I've always worked better on yellow pads. I don't know why, for what it's worth. There's your tip. I'm pitching yellow pads. Um, draw a line down the middle and start writing things that you're grateful for and why? And people, I love like that, I don't know. And start with something that's like, I'm grateful for having two arms and legs. I'm grateful to be able to like return that, the the, the cart to the, the cart to the, you know, the cart garage so the, the schlepper gets paid, you know, quite an hour, five dollars an hour, whatever it is, doesn't have to do that. And you amazed that list balloons, that list balloons, man. And, and things that you took for granted before you become very grateful for. And it's not like you can sit there and meditate on it, but it it really riches it. I think there's a lot of ways to really dimensionalize and enrich your life, and in doing so, do that for your clients or your for your patients or your audience, just yourself or your girlfriend or the person that you go buy a burger from, you know. And Elijah sure puts just making, making, making yourself happier in life. And uh, yeah. you, you just, just this couple of hours you spent together, yeah, you've made me you've boosted my happiest level. Let me just check my happy o meter a shitload. A, a, a lot. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm, so, I'm so I'm so grateful to make your acquaintance, and, and uh, perhaps a friendship. Um, and, yeah. And, and th- no, no, definitely. Heart, thank you, thank you, Jacob. Thank you, thank
0: well, you. thank you so much, and and I, I would love to add on that. Like that is a really great invitation. That's something I did for a year, where you just write down three things you're grateful for every night, but you right. don't, you never repeat. Right. So, no, no, don't. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and so that that's what's cool as well. Cause then you start finding new things. And I, and I think that's a, yeah, it's a really good thing. And it's a really positive note to end on. And, and like I said, yeah, definitely a friendship. Thank you so much for, for coming on. Absolutely. Thank, Thank you so you. much for your time. Thank you so much for your insights. Uh, and to everyone that's listening, I guess if you want to reach out to you, uh, do you, if people want to ask you more questions, is there a place they can sure. go? Uh, sure. Absolutely.
1: Uh, so it's my, my website again, and it's Danielin. um, uh-huh. U L I M, and uh, you can visit my website at uh, visit the website at elite e l i t e student s t u d e n t coach dot com. Um, pitch for my services, but if you are are, are interested, please let me know. Um, there's an application is by application only, but put in the comment that you how you heard about uh, the site. Put in the comment that you heard about it on this uh, on this uh, podcast, and and I, I would love to speak speak to you. Uh, my email address is on there. It's dan at And if you're in the United States, there is a, uh, an 800 number. And for those of you uh, who are not in the United States, i want to reach reach. Uh, I'll find a way, uh, Jacob, to give you my direct dial mobile here. Okay. Um, and, and they can reach that way. Um, and I'm forward to hearing from you. Uh, I'd love to get your feedback on uh, what we talked about. We have service
0: to you in whatever endeavor you want. Blessings to all thank you so much for the time. So awesome. love it. Thank you so much. We'll we'll leave it there. Uh, and for everyone listening, I guess we'll, we'll see you on the next podcast. So goodbye. Goodbye for now. Uh no, you and yeah. I gonna-